0: This podcast was recorded live on September 30th at 10.30 p.m. Things may have changed since the time of this recording. Please enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. I am Samori, your host, and the fellas are here for another episode of SJH Man Cave. We are live on Facebook and looking forward to another fantastic conversation. If you're watching this on Facebook, please make sure you hit that like button and share the discussion. You can also follow us at SJH Podcast Family. If you're watching us on YouTube, remember that you can see this and other videos at SJH Man Cave. Once you're there, please tap the subscribe button and hit the bell to make sure you are alerted when new videos are available. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SJHmancave Cave and email us at info at sjhmancave.com. And with all that being said, let's dive right in. So, fellas, how's your week going? Hudson, let's start with you.
1: Oh, shoot, man. My week's been good, man. You know, I'm embracing getting older. I think in the first episode, I told y'all about me, you know, turning 40 and all that. And, uh, you know, I'm starting to embrace it. Like, I got these kids. So, you know, I just have to uh, figure out some things because, you know, You know, when you got kids and you and you trying to get it on, you know, it's it's tough to do. So you have to try to be at the ever ready at all times. And you can't let the romance leave. So I'm thinking about that. I gotta up my game on getting like some more uh silk robes and some cavassier, you know, and making sure I'm always having that ready and at the standby. So, you know, I can, you know. Cause I, I got, to, I got to keep my sexy on, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I think, Hey, you know, I see a brother. Absolutely. You, ain't that, ain't that, you know, I'm, I'm 40 now. That That's the, that's the standard, right? You got to have a cavassier, you know? And I mean, you got to tell me, I think Jason, you hit 41st, right? You, you, the old man of the group. So is that. Yeah,
2: ever, have, haven't picked up a bottle of cavassier yet. <laughs> No.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I just keep drinking beer. That's my thing. I plan. think the was the thing like 10, 15 years ago, bro. I was about to say, what song the the or time. something like that. Yeah. There
2: six. wasn't nobody in that song for it. What, the,
1: what? Well, what? I mean, what do, what we got to drink now then? Because, I mean, that's all I can think of is Kabbasier, you know, because you got to hold the glass eight, eight. like this. Six pack. <laughs> No, bro. That ain't six sexy, bro. All day. That ain't sexy, bro. No, I can't do that. <laughs>
2: you you on a whole nother side of 40. Maybe somebody on here that's in that age bracket to give you some advice. Cause it ain't me. I no, I drink a beer. That's what I do. Wow.
1: I'm uh, just saying. There's nothing
2: man. In, in me that's about being sexy. <laughs>
1: Look here, man, you got to keep it alive, man. And I think silk robes, you know, you, you, you got to get the draws, too, the silk draws. Ain't that right? You know, made from them uh, earthworms, the worms, they make the silk. Yeah, I just saw something about these golden spiders, too. They're making robes with these golden spiders. <laughs> why, why are y'all laughing? I'm trying I'm
0: proud to say I have no idea what you're talking about. At so, all. Not At even. Least. Not
2: even. <laughs> I don't know nothing about these still draws, none that. There's this designer
1: <laughs> who is making these robes off of these, these spiders, and they, and they let out these golden strands, you know, however spiders webbing or whatever, and they get like thousands of these spiders, and they make these robes, and supposedly the robe is like light as a feather. So you don't even know you got nothing on and that sounds perfect to me. That sound that sounds sexy. Why are you
2: wearing you know? it
1: then? I, I don't understand.
2: Why, why are you wearing it then? <laughs> like, you don't it know how sound, I got it on.
1: It sounds like easy access, you know what I'm saying? You got them light robes on, it sound like it it sounds like it just hug you. You know, it it, it hug your area. It hug your area. And I think. <laughs> I think you gotta, you know, <laughs> I don't know quite how I describe it where we don't, you know, get like a a a, a mature rating on our podcast here. But I'm just saying. I think it, you've it, already gone there, sir. I think <laughs> right. it covers You know how if you're in the shower and the shower curtain and the shower curtain like, like presses up against you while you're showering because of the way the wind is blowing or whatever? I think that's how those like light robes do. <laughs> They, they they like they like hug. Wow. You're they actually like, trying to explain the science and the
0: reasoning behind it. what's happening in your shower. <laughs> I don't understand.
2: I'm so confused on what's happening when you shower. Where's this wind coming from? What's going on? You taking a shower outside? What are
0: you doing? This no. no. <laughs> dude got a project bathroom. There's just holes everywhere in the wind from the outside. Is where's, just it, where's this wind? I, oh. I've never well, wanted I a breeze that. on me while I'm taking a shower. I, hmm. You, you know, know what? But fact of the matter is, every partner has a different love language, right? So apparently, silk draws and robes and cavassier works more. Why? <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife is uh, is task oriented. I, I know if, if I want some, if, if I have the, the bed made up and the dishes washed and it looks like the kitchen has been cleaned to, to some degree, like neither one of us are domestic and both of us hate coming home to a, a, a dirty house. And so it's a bad combination because we're constantly doing that and then blaming each other for why haven't you done such and such a chore that needs to happen? So I know the, the easiest way to make sure that my wife is happy when I when she comes home is to do that, and then it's like clockwork. I, I, I don't need all the exercise.
2: Well, apparently, sir, you're missing, you're missing silk drawers and silk robes while you're doing the dishes. I know, right? I know, right? <laughs> right. And you, and you need right. that breeze coming in while you're doing the dishes <laughs> so you your my- so roll flat. Flapping we'll the wind, I like guess. Easy
0: access. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's Look, this access? here oh. <laughs> yeah, you better ask around. Ask you feel me? Why, you got, why did you ask him? How did you ask
1: him? <laughs> <laughs> you got to it, it, you, you let yourself be free, you know. And sometimes you wear lighter clothing to help with the freeness, you know. You don't you don't want to be bogged down when it comes time, you know what I'm saying? So. Again, you're putting me in an awkward spot where I have to explain it without getting into the mature rating here. You know, I don't, don't want to, you know.
0: <laughs> yep, I, I agree, Hudson. That's enough of that.
2: Well, <laughs> Jason. Hudson, you brought this up. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: I want you to know that. You brought this up. So if it gets explicit, it's your own fault. <laughs> okay. you, brought, you brought this whole thing up. And I'm confused. Yeah. And I hate being confused. I
0: keep telling you all that. It's frustrating.
2: <laughs> it makes me angry. I don't know what's happening. <laughs>
0: wow. It's great. Oh. How has your week been, Jason? Oh, my
2: God. Okay, well, uh, not, oh, I hate it when I get the image in my head. That's the worst part. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's mental discipline. i already see, forgot the whole conversation. He starts talking, and it just it sinks <laughs> in, and it buries itself. And it bothers me the whole time. I'll be thinking about it. You know, know this what I'm like talking about. Show. Then you know what I'm talking uh, about. No. <laughs> no. The only thing sticking to here is the frustration of picturing it and don't know what's happening. And it's in my own head. A confusing picture in the middle of my brain. That's not right. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway. Uh this week. Uh honestly, shoot, it, it ain't been nothing but uh e learning. Me trying not to kill my son and uh, uh, just uh, trying to get along in the week Uh, for me, like the whole E-Learn, like, okay, it's not it's not a secret that I'm not a patient person. Uh, The 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 equality of working a lot and just being tired the majority of the time and then waking up trying to get a six year old adjusted and getting him ready for school I think is like the worst thing in the world. I I start off real good. Uh we get him up in the morning and make him a little breakfast, something like that. Make sure y'all washed up, get his teeth, get his hair picked out and everything. I say, All right, son, we're gonna sit in here, we're gonna start strong, right? It's like, yeah, dad. All right, cool. Five minutes into Zoom, this boy's everywhere. He's just it he can't stop moving in his seat, and it it kills me. And, and the teacher would be sitting there talking right in front of him. I put the iPad right in front of him and say, son, I need you to pay attention. So you know what's going on. And literally 10 minutes into the conversation, either the teacher done left zoom or she done told him to do something. And he just be sitting there either twiddling the pencil or playing with a K on, or he just, you know, squiggling around in the chair. I'm like, son, what you supposed to be doing? And he'll look at the iPad and it'll be completely blank. And he'll be like, I don't know. I said, Oh, oh Lord, son! <laughs> yesterday, I, I I did one of them old. I did I did one of the moves that you seen like the parents do in, in the YouTube videos. Not the YouTube videos, but just on like Facebook. Like a lot of them folks that's been making the little memes with the little belt in their hand and whatnot, sitting next to them while they're doing the homework. I was that meme this, yesterday morning, because he he threw, he he completely frustrated the hell out of me. I'm sitting there next to a boy, if you don't come on draw this picture, I swear to God. And I had to look at myself for a second like, I I can't believe I just did
3: this.
2: (laughs) I I think I am the worst. I came home late on uh, last night, was tired as hell from work. And I seen my son sitting on the couch. And he's like, hey, dad, guess what? I'm like, what's happening, son? Mom made me feel better. I said, well, what do you mean? She talked nice to me. And I'm like, hmm. (laughs) <laughs> My son takes shots at me now. So I'm like, okay. That's, that's what's up. Okay. I said, all right. I went I went, and I got myself together. I came back. I sat on the couch and I said, son, come on, sit down here next to me. He came, sat on down, looked right at me like, what's up, pop? He's like, first of all, I want to apologize. Dad got upset. He got a little frustrated. You have a tendency to make me frustrated. You, you, you frustrate your father. Okay. <laughs> Now, what we're going to have to do is is me and you going to have to make a promise to each other. You're going to have to do better, and I'm going to have to do better. And like, like always, he just kind of shakes his head and agrees because I know it's, it's, it's going to be the same shit probably the next day. But even at that same rate, right, I realize it's like, okay, using frustration and anger to help this boy get educated and whatnot, is not going to work. So I have to find something in me. I have to be able to turn the upset switch off. <clears throat> and turn into the nurturing father. Well, you are the adult. I have repeatedly know. said I'm not that guy. Yeah, I am an adult, but you know, <laughs> I was raised by who I was raised by, okay? Anytime I was messing around with school and whatnot, he was sitting there waiting with that belt. And I don't I don't necessarily do things the way my father did. I don't I don't like I don't I don't I I think the last time I may have punished my kids with like a whooping years ago. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I feel like if I can't talk to him, I, if I, if I get to the point where I feel like I got to grab something, I got to go hit him with it. and whatnot. I feel like I'm failing. So I've, I've made a conscious decision to at least get away from that. But I still put a lot of bass in my voice and I still, I, I curse and I yell. My kids know me. My, my wife know me. They know what I'm about. So they know when I get to curse and I, I get serious and there's the potential of something possibly going to happen, even though I'm pretty much a honey punk when it comes to my kids. But uh, yeah, this yesterday was a tripped out part. We sat down, we talked, and he gave me this big old stupid hug and wasn't like, "Dad, I'm gonna do better." I'm like, "Okay, I, I expect you to, and I expect you to do better for yourself." We gonna see how long that lasts. He did all right today. Before I went to work, I don't know what happened after I left. Everything probably went off the rails. But my wife is real good at you know turning him into a mama's boy, so she might have actually have some control.
1: You know, I'm I'm um I'm, I'm laughing at the fact that you uh that you said you started to apologize and then immediately put the blame on him for the apology you was giving. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry that you make your daddy so frustrated. You know, <laughs> I mean, I love that. So I think I think that's that's parenting one on one. But you know, it's right really there. all
2: your fault. <laughs> <laughs> well I, I told him, I got to do better too. I, I, I made <laughs> the play. I made the pledge. I made the promise. I'm gonna do better too, son. I'm not gonna yell at you because I see that frustrates and saddens you to the point where you have to have your mother make you feel better. I mean, well, he hit me with that jab. He hit me as soon as I walked in the door. That blew me.
1: Oh my right. oldest do like, that right? to me all the time. She do that to me all the time. She walk around this house. She be up there like, "Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't throw the paper towel in the garbage because Daddy didn't empty that garbage already." And she'll do that, <laughs> or, or she'll be like, "Mommy, I want some water. I told Daddy a long time ago I want some water, and he forgot. He ain't give me no water." And she be telling, "I'll be all over this house." And, I, and sometimes I, I get her by herself, and I just tell her, you know, I'm gonna get you back for all that. You know, you know, I'm a petty dad. You know that, right? So, yeah, so. You, they they should know this by now. They really should.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: They ain't learned yet,
2: but That's they about awesome. to. <laughs> Says you better watch what you doing with her little sister and whatnot. You see what you do with them balls, right? <laughs> you' older. Them balls gonna get heavier and bigger. You better stop it
1: already told her because her uh, be killing me. Cause her, uh, her auntie her is supposed to be teaching her how to play basketball because her auntie was really good at basketball, right? So she was supposed mm. to be teaching her. And I told her already, I am not letting you win. I am going to destroy you on the court. Don't even bring it. Don't even bring a game if you ain't ready because I am not going to let you get a shot up. Understand that. And I, and I told her straight away. Now, uh, you know, she's five, so, you know. But, you know, I still had to let her know that I'm going to dominate well until, you know, I, even no matter how old I get, she is not going to beat me. i let her know that. That's going to be part of the pettiness. You know, you're supposed to be building up her confidence
0: <laughs> right now at this time. You're supposed to be helping her believe that she can win these games.
1: Think, think <laughs> of how confident she's going to be if she actually does beat me one day. I mean, it ain't going to happen. But think of how she would be if she actually does beat me. I mean, the confidence will soar through the roof at that point. Wow. Wow. I'm just
2: wondering yeah. what it's gonna take in order to do it. Like what line is she gonna have to cross <laughs> in order to just make this vi- this moral victory happen for herself? She gonna <laughs> elbow
0: this dude in the chest. I was about to say she, going, she to the ground. He's going after <laughs> one of your kneecaps, <laughs> oh <old> boy. <laughs> That's what he got. I that's just see gonna it coming. Happen. She going to permanently injure this dude and then score that layup and walk off the court. <laughs> Step right over him. Excuse and me. He finally hobbles home. She'll already be sitting at the table with dinner. <laughs> like, and that's how you I, I know. Surpass your dad.
1: And that's how you know that I would have built a champion like I talked about last week you got to build champions.
0: This dude is raising a self-help household. (laughs) He's like survival of the fittest out here.
2: (laughs) I'm just glad he's he's willing to use and sacrifice himself and whatnot to build this championship team. He's willing to limp home if if that's what it takes. Hey, why not? You are an awesome father, sir. (laughs)
0: Kudos on that. (laughs) Kudos on that.
2: My son will not be spending the night at your home. (laughs) (laughs)
0: so for me um, actually it's been an interesting couple of weeks um, for me so I made the decision you know on this show we've ended up talking a lot about police brutality and uh, the relationship between the black community and the police and things of that nature and I've been pretty um, critical of them For the most part, Uh, and I, I looking back on it, definitely sometimes especially harsh. But when I sat back and thought about it, you know. I feel like I only have one side of the story, right, because I have never really tried to work in any real positive capacity with the Chicago Police Department. Most of the times when I'm hearing about them, it's because they've done something horrible. (laughs) <laughs> and um, uh, we're having very negative conversations about the type of service that they they're providing to the community. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like, you know, in order to be of greater service to my community and also to help inform the dialogue that I'm having about the role of police in my community, I need to be more involved, and I need to actually create those relationships so I can see the dynamics for myself and make my own decisions about whether or not we're getting from the police what the community actually needs. (laughs) And so I felt like one of the easiest ways to do that would be to start a block club, which uh, we have now done. Um, We've got four members so far uh, around the block. And it was easy. It was actually easy to do because we've had a real escalation in crime the last couple of months. In fact, I've I've talked about this on the show, like two of the times where I talked about what was going on with me that particular week, uh, I had to talk about there was gunfire right in front of my house, which there never had been before in the seven years that I've been here. So it definitely seems like there's an escalation in shootings. And more importantly, there's an escalation in shootings that are happening during the afternoon like 12 in the afternoon, one in the afternoon, all of a sudden this gunfight will, will break out and it will break out either right in front of my house or right around the corner from my house. And we've identified that it's people from outside our block coming onto our block and shooting people, but we don't know if they're kicking things off or it's retaliation because there are people on our block who already went over to their block Starting up drama, and now they're just coming back to, you know, make things clear. So we started up this block club, and I uh, talk with uh, the lieutenant who's in charge of the caps program for the neighborhood over the weekend, and they we still talk for those. What well, say? So they still have them, but we're not. They're not actually having the caps meetings Ooh. due to COVID. You know, people aren't meeting together, but they are still. The 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 caps leaders who are basically responsible for being resources to the community. Yeah, I remember seeing um, the signs all the time. I just say like, I haven't mm-hmm. seen any in a long time. Right. But then again, yeah, I'm well, not in the city all the time either. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I went to a couple of caps meetings um, before COVID hit, like last year the year before, something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was all right. I didn't feel like there was a discussion happening there that was really changing things or improving things, but. I still feel like it's a necessary function. And also, I feel like it's not serving the community as well as it could because the community is not using it as much as they they could. There was a whole lot of empty seats in those meetings. So, you got to figure out how to push more people to be willing to have those discussions. But I bring all this up because we ended up having, like, you know, this 20, 30 minute sit down with him about, you know, what are some of the other block clubs in the area doing? what is the city doing about some of the things that happen in the community how do we collaborate to try to make things better and you know honestly it was a very good you know positive conversation and so i do plan to kind of again i have no idea what i'm doing i know nothing about community organization i know nothing about how do you come together and change your block and make and make things less safe and bring more businesses to your area and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm going to be basically on a, on a path of discovery, trying to figure out how do you do these things? How do you pull, pull those type of resources together? How do you make that happen? So I will be trying to document some of that journey and talking, you know, to the, to the audience about that. So that other people who are in similar situations where they would like to see more of these things happening, but aren't sure how they can look at the mistakes that I'm making and maybe the, the way that I'm doing things that could be done better and hopefully it help inform, you know, your own personal journey. So I'm starting out small. We've got, you know, our little block club and we're trying to figure out how do we get in contact with other block clubs in nearby neighborhoods so that we can figure out why these shootings are happening. And then once we can figure out who, because, People know. They know who's doing these shootings. They know who's out there, you know, causing up this this chaos. The question becomes, are these the type of kids doing this who you can talk to, or there's a specific role model in the area that can talk to them who can get it to stop? Or are these the type of kids we just need to be locked up? And, you know, I'm a firm believer. Some people just need to be locked up. I am not one of those, hey, they're they're the criminal justice system has no place no somebody i I love my brothers and sisters i appreciate my brothers and sisters but some of them (laughs) have just decided they're going to live a certain lifestyle but i feel like we in the community have a responsibility to step forward and do the granular work of figuring out what kind of kid are you and I feel like that's what's not happening. A lot of we've talked on the show before about how people see those looters or they see these kids acting out and they want to throw them all to the wolves, throw them all in jail. And, and I just strongly disagree with that. I feel like the community needs to be the ones taking the opportunity to say, hey, you know, let me talk to these people. Let me talk, find out more about your environment and figure out if there's another way. So that's the journey I'm on. That's that consumed a, a lot of my time this past couple of weeks. And. You know, I'm hoping that something positive will come out of all of this in the months to come. We'll see. Samori
2: was way more productive this week than we were. Well, you know, Silk Draws, and I was just dealing with e learning. (laughs)
1: Well, you know, I mean, I mean, helping
0: your child learn and grow is very productive, brother. I, that is productive. What you just got finished doing? I, I think
1: I think productive <laughs> is is a, a subjective term, you know. But <laughs> but I, I will say we we got a comment here uh, from Greg. How can the community trust the, the CPD? Yeah, uh, you know, I think that's a very fair question. And I think I mean it. it, it it's not that you trust them. I think you, but you have to be open to building the trust. I um, mean, I think that's really all we can do is at least try to be open to it and have conversations like Samori said. And, but you know, it, it, on the other side of it, you know, they're not going to pit their worst officers to send to these CAP meetings. They're going to try to send their officers that they know are are going to be on their P's and Q's of course. But you know, I, 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 think, I think block clubs are great. I think they are. And, and I think that, like, like we had a block club over here, and it just, out of nowhere, it just stopped. But I never saw any police involvement. I never saw the CAPS program, you know, being involved at all with this block club. And I think um, I, I would like to see a further commitment or a better commitment by the city to to try to push involvement. You know, I, I think, you know, if, if people in the neighborhood don't actively get involved, I, I, think, I think at some point the alderman needs to get involved. Uh, I, I think this should be something that should be, like, pushed. I think it's a very important thing. And the alderman should get involved and say, hey, we need block clubs around here that's working, that's working within the neighborhood and, and working within the community with other block clubs, too so you know i i think a good slogan for your block club samori should be all blocks matter you know when you try to go out and get <laughs> with the other block clubs and try to figure out what's going on that should be the flyer all blocks mm-hmm. matter so please join this block club <laughs> you know <and laughs> you know it's it's interesting that you brought up the
0: mayor right because uh again when i was moving forward we're trying to put together this block club the violence and the shootings were the main things on my mind. I want to address that. Right. Mm-hmm. And my first thought was, okay, we put together the block club so that we could pr- present ourselves as organized. Then once we're able to do that, we reach out to the alderman's office so that then we could collaborate with the alderman's office and figure out what are the things we can start putting in place to make the community around us better. Apparently that's not how it works. I called the alderman's office and they're like, yeah, we don't serve as a middleman, between the community and the police. If you have a crime issue, go directly to the police. They're like, we help you with trash and zoning laws and you know things, things of that nature. You know, cl- uh, clean streets, change your signs. But if you have an issue with violence, with shootings on your block, or with drug dealers on your corner, you need to talk to the police. You can't, you you can't use the alderman's office at, as an intermediary and that. And I think that's wrong. So I'm kind of going with the flow about this. I'm going with the flow for right now, because I feel like you need to be in a system a little bit and be able to show that you understand it before you can start asking for change. But the fact that it matters, I feel like the violence and the crime in our communities has to be at the very least Top three issues on everybody's mind <laughs> in the damn city, so how can you say as as my alderman as the representative who is supposed to be there for me on a granular level that you basically step back when it comes to crime It doesn't really make any sense to me, but I haven't figured out how to but but I think I have to do the legwork first to show that we're serious, show that we're organized and show that hey we're really trying to create change before I can come to the alderman and say, bro, you you got to be a part of this. You, you're going to have to step up. And to go back to what Greg was saying about the relationship with the police, you know, we've talked on this show before about when are the good cops going to step up? When are more of the good cops going to uh, stand up and say enough is enough and start calling out these bad apples that are supposedly in the force? I feel like part of the problem is they don't feel like, um, there's a, th- 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 there's enough balance on the other side. I feel like a lot of times when they look at Black Lives Matter and the protesters and a lot of these groups that are fighting for change, they don't see good cops. <laughs> they don't see that, A, hey, it, it, for most people, join the force to try to protect and help folks. And so I feel like it's going to be difficult to try to get more police that are willing to step out and take that type of stand if they feel like essentially they're destroying their careers, nobody is going to support them amongst protesters or the police, and it's all just a wash. So I feel like there's a whole lot of energy and effort regarding protesting and Black Lives Matter and holding police accountable. We need more people to get involved with, okay, we're going to have police. We need police for safe communities. And we've got to figure out who are the ones that actually are want to do the work. So we can start holding them up and get rid of these people who are using the badge as a cover to run around abusing folks. Well, I, if, I don't if see you don't, another way around that.
1: If you don't call out the bad apples, then you are one. I mean, that, that's just it. If, if you can't say you're a good cop and you watch, you watch questionable activity happen all around you and you don't call it out. You're not a good cop. And And, you know, it's easy for the department to fire one cop who's going to blow the whistle, right? It's harder if five cops blow the whistle. It's harder if 10 cops blow the whistle, 20, 50, 100. So if they would stop being scared, Mm -hmm. each of them individually, and realize that there's other cops who could come in and call this out too, then, then you wouldn't have to worry about, that this gang of cops is going to retaliate against you because they'd have to retaliate against a hundred others. So, you know, if you don't call it out, you're a bad cop, period, period. And that, and that's just, that just has to be the stance. So I, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. You know, there's 90% good cops when, when most of them are watching it happen and do nothing.
0: On the one hand, I do agree with you, right? That if you, See someone doing something horrible and shameful that's having a negative impact on other people and you don't say anything to some degree, definitely that reflects upon you and that reflects on your own personal character. But at the same time, I recognize that we've had multiple instances of at this point of police officers coming forward and providing information about other cops who have done wrongdoing, who have basically disrespected the badge those police officers almost always lose their job. And when they lose their job, the general public, the city doesn't rise up and protect them, doesn't rise up and say, no, 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 you were trying to ensure that we have police officers doing what they're supposed to do. We're gonna ensure that you keep your career. You're basically done. And so I, I, I guess I say that to say, I see the problem with both sides. Yes, there aren't, there are a bunch of police who consider themselves good cops, who are not saying anything. But I also understand we have a general public and a media and a a, a government that is upholding this system that allows these police officers to be able to operate and makes people not want to say anything because they feel like their lives are going to be destroyed. So yes, there's a responsibility for them to say something, but there's also a responsibility on our side to highlight these issues more And see to it that the police who do step out and say something are protected, which has not been the case historically in Chicago.
1: And that's why I say cops got to get together and say it's harder when it's five. It's harder when it's 10. It's harder when it's 50. It's harder when it's 100. Let five of them walk into that office and say, hey, so-and-so is doing wrong as opposed to just one. Let them get together with their peers and go, Mm -hmm. sometimes you got to help yourself sometimes you do you know and, and you're right Samori. we do have to hold up the good cops and hold them up on a pedestal but there's a lot of times where we don't hear about it there's a, there's so many times where we might hear right. about one two maybe because they want to keep that covered up that part they want to keep covered up you know so so they have to learn how to help themselves and it's a lot harder when you got to explain to me why you fired 10 officers it's a lot harder when you got to try to do that. And it's, a lot, <laughs> and it's a lot harder when certain neighborhoods are, are, are seeing higher crime because you decide to hire, decide to fire 50 whistleblowers. Right. So, you know, it's harder. Right. For, it, Absolutely. It's again, people got to come together, just like the FOP came together and said they're going to make a stand. Right. These good cops, these good cops mm-hmm. got to come together and take their stand and say, no, nah, no, nah, we're not going to let this happen. Because ultimately, it's hard on them when the, when the general public doesn't have trust in the police. It's hard on them. They're the ones that's going to get the brunt of it. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that's, that's out there with these protests, while the ones who get away with this nonsense are sleeping at home. <laughs> you know, they get to do their dirt, and then they go home mm-hmm. and sleep. You know, they get a paid vacation off, while you have to stand out there with the rioters and the looters and all this. You know, you have to be there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I say to a certain extent, absolutely. We got to, when we hear about it, we do, and we should, and we haven't historically been been good at that and, and, and raising red flags. But, you know, they also, too, they need to get together and say, it's not just one, it's 10 of us. And we're all saying this dude is bad. So, right. they, so y'all need to do something. I
0: agree. I agree. So... We'll see uh, how it continues, but uh, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that uh, through this partnership and through the pressure being put on in other areas, that positive change <laughs> is coming to Chicago slowly but surely. Uh, moving on and to our topics. First up, the presidential debate. Um, it seems like at this point, most people agree that the debate was an absolute shit show. From the media, to political pundits, to actual politicians, to people I'm just talking to uh, around on the street. It doesn't seem like anybody actually believes that it was a good use of their time to have to witness uh, what occurred. There's a bunch of different reasons for that. Poorly moderated, very little meaningful information shared. And... In many ways, the decorum was a mockery of the office. I do want to say from a moderation level, I don't know how you moderate somebody like Trump, especially when he's approaching the debate in the way that he did. So I, I see a lot of people
2: and when he blaming Wallace. Like
0: you. Exactly. I see a lot of people blaming Wallace, but I'm like, you know. Who has been successful in stopping Trump from doing something he wants to do on TV at this point? I mean, in his entire history, even before he became president. So I I don't think the criticism is really warranted. It just is what it is. And we need to get to November 3rd. So my first question is, uh, what were the strongest? uh, I'm sorry. No, my first question is, did you actually watch the debate? And I'll start with you, Hudson.
1: Oh, yeah, I watched it. Yeah, I I got a chance to watch actually most of it. I mean, there were some parts that that I couldn't see. I was going back and forth between the kitchen, uh uh cleaning up after dinner and things like that, but I got to see most of it and I I was thoroughly entertained. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow.
0: What about uh what about you uh Jason? I got to watch maybe about
2: 15 minutes of the beginning of it. Uh after a while like I tried to keep going, but it was, it was annoying. Like Jesus Christ. It's like, it was like two, it was like watching two raccoons fight over a Twinkie or some shit. I don't know what the hell was going on. Like at what, like at one point, like it sounded like they were trying to make points on certain things, but I guess like, I guess like any other debate is basically about just taking digs at one one another. And it was just real heavy in this one, where it's just because you ain't shit, well, you ain't shit.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: We get it. We get y'all ain't shit. But the whole point is y'all to try to convince other people and whatnot that maybe y'all ain't that much shit, and you get my vote. Because like just mm-hmm. about the majority, from what I saw, anytime Joe Biden really tried to come in and try and make some points, Trump knew to go in and just start jabbing, and it it completely threw Biden off. Like the whole time all you saw him doing was kind of mumbling and blinking and shit the majority of the time trying to make it through some of his topics without going back in and trying to bash him, which I think is what kind of ruined his whole thing in the grand scheme. If he could have just stayed on topic, he would have been fine. But from what I can tell, like, obviously Trump was bothering him too. I don't know how coherent he really was. And in just a little 15 minutes, of just watching Biden. Oh, Biden? Yeah, like, uh. he kind of seemed, I don't know, like, whatever that was holding him together was just slowly but surely, like, leaving him. Hmm. So in it, like, you you get a lot of, like, for what like, I, I hadn't listened or I haven't, like, I've heard and I've read a lot about how they think, like, his mental deficiencies and everything else like that. I felt like a little bit of it showed. Hmm. In just a little 15, 20 minutes of that I watched. So it, it was a shit show regardless. And I don't think there was anything that was going to come of it other than to watch these two old motherfuckers talk shit about each other. Quite honestly.
0: Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I, I definitely wasn't um, impressed by it. I I didn't watch the whole thing front to back. I never do. I can never just sit through these debates. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always, I like to read about them. I like to read the analysis and the different talking points and try to, and find out also, you know, what's factual about what they said. And what are some of the things where they kind of added an extra little, little bit of sauce on it, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um it, it was just it was just bad. I just don't think that it really helped either candidate all that much. I I do agree a little bit that... Um, I, I No, it's not a little bit. I definitely agree that it wasn't a strong performance from Biden, but it wasn't a strong performance from Trump either. So I don't feel like it hurt him yeah. at all. I don't feel like anybody who was going to vote for Biden before is looking at that debate and saying, mm, I don't know if I could vote for that guy. Because frankly, I don't see how if you're even a little bit saying Trump did anything for you that made you feel confident, he's the one you really want to lead the free world. So it just is what it is. Um, but I, I, I do, I am wondering uh, from you all's perspective, what was the strongest moment during the debate for both of them? Hudson?
1: Well, I mean, I think during a debate, your I think one of your main goals is to, is to strengthen your base. And I, I think for Trump, you know, I, I think he re- pretty much got to do that uh, without any real pushback from Biden. Um, you know, uh, Trump, you know, from the moment it started, he was just interrupting, 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 which his base loves. Um, he got he he uh, also and I think a, a really a, a big win for him that I think was was uh, has kind of was kind of overlooked is that. He got to explain away his taxes in less than five minutes. Less than five minutes, he explained it away. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, I think for, and I think for, I know it's hard to believe that people are still on the fence about who to vote for, but I, I think for those, but they, they do exist. And I think for those who are on the fence, I think Trump successfully explained it away in a way that people could understand in a way that if they decide not to vote for Trump, it won't be because of his taxes. So I think he explained that away sure really won't. good. And, but uh, you know, on the other side of it, I, I kind of applaud Biden for not attacking his taxes and, and Democrats in general, because I think Trump left that out as low-hanging fruit, as he often does. Here, come after my taxes, come after my taxes. It's been kind of a running joke since 2016, come after them. And I don't think there's really anything there. Because, uh, you know, when they vet these candidates, yeah, he didn't leave his taxes out for, for, uh, for, for a legal proceeding, but I guarantee you they vetted him. I guarantee you they did that before he took office. And there was nothing there. It's like Obama's birth certificate. You know, they talk about, well, we got to see his birth certificate. Trust me, the government saw the birth certificate for Obama. They know he's a citizen. He would not be president if it wasn't the case. So, again, it was low-hanging fruit that they left out there, hoping the Democrats would bite, and they didn't. Uh, but, but for Trump, I, I think that was a big win. Um, you know, also, another big win is that he, he kind of, he was able to talk about Biden's uh, past record without any real pushback from Biden at all. Uh, the super predators comment, you know, he, he brought that in there, um, uh, talk, also talking about the crime bill. Uh, back in ninety three or ninety four right so so he was able to bring all that stuff in and really just kind of say it without really getting any real opposition back or or anything from Biden in that regard um, you know I think I compare things to sports all the time and and i think uh for the the biggest win for trump overall is that i don't think Biden took his shots down the field like if you compare him to quarterbacks. And it's kind of like Kyle Orton that we talk about all the time. Kyle Orton's not going to bomb it down the field. He's trying to get these passes underneath these five yard passes, trying to, you know, um, Trump is the guy who's going to try to air that ball out. I mean, Trump tries to do that all the time. So, you know, I, I think Trump, you know, he, he helped around his base and I think that's what he wanted to do. And I think that's what he did without any real opposition. Um, you know, but on the other hand, the biggest flub of the night for him uh, was the uh, supremacist remark. I mean, he clearly did not he did not contemn white supremacists. He clearly did not do that. As a matter of fact, he told them to stand by, you know, so, you know, he he clearly took a took a stance and and realizing that radical right wing racist groups like that is a part of his main base. He decided he did not want to tip them off in front of America. And and he said what he said. Uh, So, I mean, for me, you know, that helped to solidify, hey, you know, a vote for Trump is a vote for racism. It is. Um, For Biden, I think Biden, he looked into the camera a lot, which was a a good thing. Um, He decided to try to focus more and talk more to America, which I think was a was a was a great thing. Um, You know, take it away from Trump and just talk to the the average person out there. And and I I think that's what Trump tried to do in 2016. I think Biden's trying to do it now in these debates where he's asking America, how do you feel your life has been? And I think that's a that's a good way to try to approach it. Um, But again, I don't think Biden took his shots down the field. I think, um, you know, when, when Trump said a lot of these things he said, uh, especially in regards to the taxes, you know, Trump started by saying he paid millions in taxes. That's the way he started off. That's what he said. But then in the same breath, he said the Obama administration made it possible for him not to pay taxes. So which one is it, Trump? Did you pay taxes or didn't you? <laughs> Wait, you said you paid them. Now you're saying the Obama administration made sure you didn't have to pay them. You know, to me, those are chances right there that Biden needs to take and not to argue with them, but to say, hey, wait a minute, which one is it, you know, and just kind of leave it at that. I don't think Biden should have went too deep into it, but I think he's got to take those shots and, and start doing that. Um, but I, I liked hearing him tell Trump to shut up and I liked hearing him call Trump a clown. And I I think a lot of people might think it it was childish or things like that. But I I think it showed that he had some emotion in the fight, which which I which I kind of appreciate. I kind of appreciated it. So I I was good with it. Now, some people might think it was childish, fifth grade stuff. But, you know, I'm telling you, I couldn't tell you how many times I want Trump to shut up. <laughs> and one, and want the mo- <laughs> the moderator even <laughs> pretty much told him to shut up, <laughs> you know. And so I kind of like, mm-hmm. um, you know. So I mean, that was my take on the over on the whole thing. Um, you know, Trump played to his base. I think Biden didn't take his shots down the field like I think he could have. But on the other hand, just like Jason said, I think Trump, with Trump coming out swinging, interrupting, I think he did throw Biden off his game, and it was clear. Biden was was stuttering. Uh, he does that, but, you know, I, I saw him do it, especially in the first uh, first moments of the debate, and I think it did kind of throw his game off a little bit. That's my thoughts on it. So, I I, I... I definitely agree with
0: some of your points. I definitely believe that uh, would you shut up, man, was the strongest moment of the debate and that it showed some emotion on Biden's part and it showed some fight back. I I don't feel like the clown uh, comment was a strong moment for Biden, only because it was almost like he tried to walk it back as soon as he said it. You know, he kind of held up his hands like, you know, you know, I'm, I, I'm saying and I'm like, bro, you meant to say it. So either, you know, it's like what Jason says, stop apologizing. Like, either you meant to say it, you feel like it's a clown and you're going to own it, or you don't want to have to say it and you feel like it would be unprecedented to make that comment and you're not, you're not going to say it. But don't say it and then pretend like, well, you know, I kind of didn't mean to say that. That that whole thing was weird to me. Um, I, I definitely agree with you that Trump came off strong regarding his taxes, which was a huge surprise to me because I felt like with the New York times coming out and then Biden and Kamala releasing their own tax returns, that they were trying to set it up so that they can hammer him on this issue during the debate. And that absolutely did not happen. But I think part, but the unfortunate thing is, I think part of the reason it didn't happen is that they can't, they, they don't have they don't have the moral high ground on that issue to be able to hammer him about it. Because if they basically try to say, well, you cheated the country out of taxes, you only paid $750, you're a millionaire, you should have paid more. All he has to do is say, well, all I did was use the rules and the laws that Biden has been protecting for 20 years. If he has such an issue with it and feels like people should be able to do to do this. Why exactly does he keep voting for these tax laws? So I don't think they have any room to really be able to hammer on those issues the way they probably should. And it's unfortunate. I But the bigger issue to me is I feel like Trump absolutely got away clean with essentially presenting himself as a white nationalist with his proud boy comments. And I feel like the only reason that happened is because Biden is on the stage. Any other major presidential candidate, whether it be Kamala Harris, I don't care who you name, Cory Booker, whatever. If that moment had happened to them in front of them, they would have hammered him. They would have been like, did you all see what just happened? This man is basically presenting himself as the leader of a white nationalist group. A vote for Trump is clearly clearly a vote for racism. Biden didn't do any of that. All he did was Trump made the comments, Biden smiled, and then they moved on. And I'm like, what the hell am I watching right
1: now? That's what, what I mean I'm by watching? he didn't and take his shots the... down the field. That's what I mean. He didn't. Right, Yeah. right. Mm-hmm. But, but you also mentioned something about
0: like you felt like it was, it was good for him not to go after the low-hanging fruit. And I feel like it's only good that he doesn't go after the low-hanging fruit if he does go after these other ones that are completely obvious. But I feel like he just didn't attack during the debate period. Like he made his little quips, called him a clown, said, would you shut up? But he didn't really hammer him on the issues. And I'm like, what's the point of us being here if you're not going to really hammer, us on, hammer him on the issues? Like, I agree. He's strong in those moments when he's directly talking to the camera and basically trying to make his case to the American people. But it's almost like he wants to say, let's just ignore everything that Trump's doing, what's going on, it's just me and you, come vote for me. And I'm like, no, this is a debate, dude. And we've had four years of this clown being able to run around, do whatever he wants. This is your time to show the contrast. This is your time to say, this is what this guy has been doing for four years. Here's what I would do for the next four years. And it's like, we didn't get that. It's like, we didn't get that. And it was, to me, it was very, very frustrating to watch. But the, the, the good thing about that debate for all those people who don't like Trump is to me, Trump looks extremely weak in this debate, especially if you compare it to the way 2016 was in 2016, I watched those debates because they were wildly entertaining. Trump was steamrolling over his competition. It was 15 other Republicans on that stage, and he was clobbering them every single debate. And every single debate came out with a different way that he had absolutely just undressed one of these Republicans on a national stage, whether it was the way he completely tore apart Jeb Bush, Or the the things he was doing to Ted Cruz. Like the story always was Trump has run over one of these candidates once again. And that ain't the story coming out of here at all, at all. He, 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 whatever magic he had in 2016, I don't see that magic anymore. And he definitely still has a strong base, but I feel like he has a strong base because he's got this collection of folks who just want to see him win no matter what. They're like, I voted for you in 2016. I want this to keep going. I don't want Biden to get in. I'm scared of liberals, yada, yada, yada. So I'm going to roll with you. But it's not because of what he's doing on the screen. Most of what he's doing on the screen looks weak. And, it, and it's, it's not nearly to the level of the power of what he had four years ago. So there's, I definitely feel like there's an opportunity to snatch his victory if
1: Biden doesn't, if Biden doesn't screw it up, well, well, you know, someone in our comments just just said Trump didn't look weak to a nation full of bullies, and and, I, and that's the key there. He looks weak to us, but to the but to the bullies, he doesn't. And you know, and, and to and to just jump back on that wagon about Biden not taking his shots down the field, I, I think one of the things the moderator asked very specifically. About, about the economy. And he asked Biden, he said, because Trump kept making the claims about the economy was great before the virus and things like that, right? Um, and the moderator asked Biden, he says, you know, is it fair to say that the economy, take, take the coronavirus away, is it fair to say the economy was, 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 in fact, great? You know, I'm paraphrasing. And I think that was a chance for Biden again to get in there and say, but we can't take the virus away. We can't take it away. It's right. here. It's, it's killed over 200,000 people here. So we can't just take the virus mm-hmm. away. And, and we can't just, everything affects the economy, and this virus has affected the economy. So we can't just take it away. And, and, and I think, again, he missed that shot down the field. And, you know, and and so... I, I gotta say, Biden has to has to look back on this tape, like game tape, like a, like a quarterback would, and look back on this and say, "Here's the opportunities I missed," and he's got to be more prepared. The, there's nothing that Trump said that that wasn't that that wasn't telegraphed that I didn't know that Trump was going to say, including the attacks on 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 Biden's son and his family. There was nothing said there that was unexpected, and and to let and to let him talk about his son getting uh, over $3 million from Russia without any, without any type of, 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 it's like Biden wasn't prepared for any of that. You know, so I just need him to be more prepared for what's happening.
0: So I, I got to be honest, I disagree. Um, so first and foremost, regarding, you know, that Trump appeals to a nation of bullies. I agree 100% on that. However, I think that, uh, again, the difference in 2016 was I feel like everybody saw the power. You know, there were some people who hated him so much that they deluded themselves into believing there was just no way he couldn't win. You know, but the people who were, who were stepping back and just trying to take, you know, an unbiased look at what was going on could see the power and the influence that was spreading amongst the masses from what he was doing at the podium, you know, what, no matter what your, your, your personal uh, character was. Whereas now I think he only appeals to that, to the brute, you know the bully who feels like yeah he got up there and he talked over everyone and nobody pushed him around and that's what I want to see in my president yada, yada yada yeah he definitely appeals to those type of people still everybody else though is looking at this like there's nothing there there's no there there you know and and it wasn't that way in um, in 2016 and but when I when you talk about that Biden has to be more prepared. And that he has to, you know, look at the film and see where he messed up. Again, going back to what you said, everything Trump said was telegraphed. Everything Trump said Biden knew was going to come up. So from my perspective, there's two reasons why Biden didn't really attack him the way that we wanted him to. One, he feels like if he tried to attack him, there's too many ways that Biden could turn it right back around on him. Like, again, taxes support of white supremacy, destruction of the black community. Like these are all things that Trump can, can give an opening and Biden can try to attack him on. And then Trump could be like, well, you've done this, 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 and this, that ain't even half of what I've done. How are you going to criticize me on that? And then the other part of this is, and again, you know, there's no confirmation on this, but I feel like if you compare the way Biden was 10, 20 years ago, and look at the way he speaks now, it's crystal clear he's not the same guy. He just doesn't have the same level of competency. And so I think we have to uh, give strong consideration that he's really giving it all he's got and that the performance that he delivered is the best he could do for the way he is right here, right now. And we've just got to ride this wave until November 3rd comes and just vote for the guy, regardless. I am not expecting a better performance in the second debate. I got to be honest with you, bro.
1: Oh shit! Well, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm like you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna vote for Biden too. Man, I, I just wish I could see a, a, a better performance. I, I think, I think what scares me the most is that. A lot of Trump supporters were silent in 2016, and and I feel like they're silent now. And, uh, and another thing that scares me mm-hmm. is that he he w- with the way the electoral college goes, he doesn't need a majority of the people to actually vote for him, which we already knew that. But you know, I I've started trying to look up things of of how many people. <laughs> how many votes can he lose by and still win the doggone presidency? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's
0: not looking good, bro.
1: I mean, I, I, I gotta say that, that, uh, he picked a perfect time. It, his timing to run in 2016 was perfect. Uh, be, because I, I, I feel like that he took very good advantage of, uh, of, of the way that the, that the whole, um, uh, Electoral College, the direction they were going off the previous census and all of that was was taken. I think he picked a great time to start running. And I think he looks at those kind of things. And Clinton
0: wasn't running in all 50 states, you know,
1: and and, and you know, I mean, I, I just I hope I hope that a lot of people can see right through it. Uh, and, and Like you said, I, I hope he doesn't have that same energy with people. That, that he had in 2016. But again, I'm just looking and seeing that, hey, it, it's these people just aren't saying anything. you know, and, and that scares me the most are those people who don't say anything because it's the same people that didn't say anything last time. <laughs> and it's like somebody voted for Trump, 53 million, I think it was, voted for him. Who the heck were you? Because out of the thousands, Absolutely. out of the thousand people I know, I only saw one Trump hat. One one make America a great again hat floating around there. So, (laughs) you know, I can guess which one of you it was. But again, so many people stay silent and it's just scary for me. Um, So I I wish that he could come out, but uh, it's scary to think that you're absolutely right. This could be the strongest that, that Biden can be at this point. He's just tired. But like, man, I actually thought I was retiring after Obama. But <laughs> this was my retirement. You know plan. what? So,
0: so since we're on this sub- subject of you know how many votes does Biden actually need to win, and what kind of coalition is Trump gathering together to get people to vote for him? Let's actually move on to our next subject which is the platinum plan that Trump proposed um, earlier this platinum. week. So <laughs> so as part of this platinum plan initiative, it includes a $500 billion investment into black communities. Trump also announced he would make Juneteenth a federal holiday and designate the KKK as a terrorist organization as uh, part of this initiative. So, my first question, and actually, I, I'm going to start with you, Jason. Does uh, this plan and the things within it soften your stance towards Trump at all? No, because
2: why didn't you just do that in the beginning? Why is this a plan and whatnot to get reelected? Now, all of a sudden and whatnot, you want to invest all this money into black people, and you could you couldn't even tell us that you was going to denounce the Proud Boys and shit on national TV. But all of a sudden you're gonna make the KKK uh, a terrorist organization. But the only way you gonna do it is if we reelect you. That's 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 <laughs> the deal. We y'all ain't getting none of this shit unless I'm president. And you and you give it to me, I get it to you. It's like, no, nah, dog, it's it sounds more like a I don't know, it sounds more like a a sucker's bet. One of them ones is, hey, if I get this to you, I'll get this to you. And if you if you can't guarantee none of that stuff, and if you can't give it to us in writing, or if you can't drop a billion or whatnot right now, then at least if we can't see it, then I I don't expect you to I don't expect to give my vote to you. At the end of the day, I just no. It sounds good, sounds real good on paper. <laughs> what I read is it, like ooh. He's going to get some money to some schools. we going <laughs> to get some millions of dollars. In, proud Boys, all this. Okay, yeah. It sounds real good on paper. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not signing on the dotted line. I don't know about nobody else.
0: Hudson, how do you feel?
1: Uh, it's table scraps. So so first off, he announced it in Georgia, where supposedly he's in trouble. Uh, Georgia typically a red state. Georgia? He's, he's in trouble of losing that state, so he announces it there to try to get. Really? Uh, garner. Yeah. I didn't know that. From what I heard, that that's why he made the announcement there to try to garner more support in Georgia. Um, but, you know, here, here's another thing about it is that, you know, he, he was talking about this plan over the course of his next four years. Well, okay, when we talk about five, $500 billion, You know, uh, close to 20 trillion dollars passes through America's hands each year. Right. So when we talk about 500 billion over the course of four years at that point and prices keep going up, they don't they don't stay here. They never go down and they never stay the same. They keep going up. So let's say in the next four years, let's say conservatively, 90 trillion dollars is going to pass through America's hands. And you plan to give the Black community five hundred billion of that, right? So, I mean that's that's a very that's table scraps compared to what's passing through the community. You're talking about, you know, uh, more Black businesses, right? I, I think I, I read five hundred thousand of that. Uh, I read three million more jobs. You know, let, let's be clear. Let's let's ask ourselves how many how many businesses, Black businesses, have we lost during this pandemic? How many jobs did Black people lose during this pandemic, right? And I can guarantee you those numbers are the same, if not more, right? What he's calling a platinum plan, I'm calling COVID relief. That's really what it is. But instead, he's talking about doing it over the course of four years, right? So, you know, let's be clear. So can Trump do this? Absolutely he can. Will he do it? On paper, he will probably say that he did. But let me tell you, he's not going to invest any more money into the Black community than it's already there. He's just going to take credit for probably the current 500-some-odd billion that's probably available in grants anyway, right now. All he's going to do is advertise it more and try to make it where more people, especially Black people who he knows and who he considers a part of his base to take advantage of that money. And then on paper, he's going to list all these new black businesses. These businesses are probably going to pop back up anyway when the economy came back. So he's just looking to take credit for something that is going to happen anyway. That's all this is. $500 billion sounds like a great amount. It sounds like a monstrous amount, especially to people who don't make a billion dollars but I'm telling you right now 20 trillion dollars will pass through America's hands this year even in the middle of a pandemic okay so so this is not this is not the great savior of, of black people he's going to try to make this platinum plan out to be um, it, it's really like I said it's table straps so no I don't it doesn't soften my stance. I don't think it's anything that's not going to happen anyway. He's just going to take credit for just like the economy that Obama, (laughs) that the Obama administration created. He's continuing to take credit for that booming economy, you know, so no, it it doesn't soften my stance at all.
0: So I agree that it is scraps. And I definitely agree that it doesn't salt in my stance towards Trump at all. There's no possibility whatsoever of me voting for him now. Didn't vote for him in 2016. Always felt like this dude was a clown. But I do believe this, this situation is deeply problematic in ways that a lot of people who support Biden are not acknowledging. Yes, it is table scraps. It's still more than what Biden has promised to the black community. And what I've seen a lot of black surrogates for Biden do is basically clown anybody who dares to suggest that black people should be demanding something in exchange for their vote to Biden, whether it be Puff Daddy or Ice Cube or really any public black figure. Anytime someone comes out, puts their face in front of the camera and says, hey, we shouldn't just be running and voting for Biden. Biden has a responsibility to explain clearly in detail what is he going to do for the black community once the black community puts him in office. These people are ridiculed and these people are either uh, painted as not serious or they're painted as people who really want Trump to win. And that's the only reason that they're asking for this. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. And what and the comment Trotter just made in the chat is that when Trump put out this plan, he was trying to reach the black people who don't vote, (coughs) not the black people who were planning to vote for Biden. He's not trying to get them to switch. He's trying to reach that large group of black folks who don't vote because what is Jason said time and time again? Nothing's going to change. They're not going to do anything for us. Nothing's going to happen for us. So what is the point? Well, it might be table scraps, might be a bunch of nonsense, but Trump put out in full detail and said, hey, here's what I would do for you if you gave me the opportunity to represent you. And I don't see where Biden is providing that contrasting vision saying, hey, here are the things that would happen for the black community if I became president. And I do believe that regardless of whether or not, you know, like Keith said in the chat, it's chicken and watermelon for the black community, regardless of whether or not it's table scraps, it's problematic that from as far as I could tell, there's nothing, nothing on Biden's side that has been presented that is the contrast to this plan Trump has presented for the black community. So my question is, do you all feel like Biden should be putting out his own plan and making it clear to the black community what he intends to do for them and jason i can see you frowning. it seems like you don't really agree <laughs>
2: oh i just like just thinking about it like i as a person who doesn't vote uh mm-hmm. i don't take it i i say i i take it as any other politician or any other reason the same reasons i don't vote i don't believe you you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The fact that you're coming out here and you telling me something as opposed to somebody not telling me they plan, I kind of kind of shoot towards the dude who ain't saying nothing. Because at least in my eyes and looking at it from Biden's uh, perspective, it, it's more along the lines of him just treating everybody the same across the board, even though there's situations and there are systematic problems that are happening in the black community. He's kind of pushing it as, hey, I'm here to rescue America, not just black people. You know what I mean? And then and, and Trump fucking around and coming out and saying, well, I got a plan for black people. Well, that shit fucks around, makes me question things. In regardless, like, why do you have to point out? Why does it have to be a specific plan for black people yeah. at the end of the day? And if you're trying to come and you, you're trying to get my vote. Off of that, like I'm, I'm more suspicious of you having to come up with this plan. That you could have obviously been implemented since you've been in office for the last four years. But now all of a sudden, I mean, he was trying to get the black vote in 2016. So why didn't he have his platinum plan then? Was he? He didn't seem really worried about getting black folks then. So what reason is he trying to really get us now? I thought what you had and your base was enough to get you back. It's just like you say. It's like how many votes does he need to lose by in in order for the electoral college and whatnot to kick in and make him president anyway? So why all of a sudden are you interested in, in 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 uplifting the black community? Why are you so interested in the black vote? And if if you're and if what's being said is that he's trying to get those vote those guys who don't vote, then I I don't know. I me being a person that don't vote, I I. I'm not silly enough to just be like, "Ooh, he he talked about giving us some money." That's, that's <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's smart. Quite honestly, the more he talks about it, it makes me feel like he's up to some shit. <laughs> so, and and Biden not speaking on it, it really doesn't bother me because it, it, it's like I say, like even though black communities have their issues, like if 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 Biden's if Biden's plan is to basically uplift the entire country then I, I kind of feel like he's not trying to put one particular people above another one because we're all supposed to be Americans. And I thought, and I know that was one of the things that Hudson had mentioned at one point in time when he said that, you know, we when y'all told me like the whole black wall street thing wouldn't work again because we all kind of have to do it together. I kind of feel like that's the platform that Biden is kind of going with kind of like the same way Obama went, like, you know, Nowhere in Obama's campaign did he specifically point out what he was gonna do for black people. So, like even what you guys were talking about, like even during the, the, the debate, it seemed more along the lines of Biden is trying to create what presidency used to be. Like you say, like he's not willing to take those digs like Trump. Like we we've seen what it's like when you hot when you when you make Joe Schmo the president he going to talk shit and he going to talk crazy on camera. But it seemed more along the lines of Joe was trying to say, this is the, this, this is what a president is supposed to be. Like we're not supposed to be sitting here taking digs and stuff, even though he ain't had no choice. He ain't had no choice, but to throw in a couple jabs and there, would, you know, shut up man. And you a clown and whatnot. I mean, it's just, it's just what, I think that's just in Joe to kind of speak like that. But like i i I feel like somewhere in there he's trying to be presidential like like this is what the president used to be this was this was the bar, and this is where he's brought the bar. you know what I mean so like i know I know like like when you say it some more like you you kind of want to see him kind of fire back and stuff like that, I think maybe he's trying to establish what. What a president should be, because he's he's from that old guard. At the end of the day, like he's even though he's kind of a rough talking guy, he he's no Trump. Mm-hmm. You know what Absolutely I mean? And he, not. He's really like I feel like he's trying to establish like, hey, you remember what a president used to look like? Definitely ain't this orange haired motherfucker over here. <laughs> Shit, y'all like that? Like, he might be reaching out to that base because he. He got people that love to talk shit, but at the end, of the day, it, it seems like it's tr- he's trying to remind us that the president is, is is presidential. There's a professionalism to being the president, and that's what he wants to be. So
0: that makes sense. You know that makes what I mean? Sense. Yeah. How, so how do you feel?
1: Uh, I mean, you know, I, I think that. Uh, I mean, honestly, I I feel ice cube when when he talks about. You know, basically what he's saying, I just think it's the wrong time to really push that message hard. And that message is getting pushed very hard uh, this time. I I say that message needed to be before (laughs) before all of this. I think it's the wrong time. But, you know, if, if you guarantee your vote to one party, then that party doesn't have to listen to you. And the other party doesn't have to listen to you either. Because, uh, you know, I know I'm not getting your vote. So why, why should I care? Why should I care about you or what you're doing? So that is the dangerous part of guaranteeing your vote. Um, So
0: I'm sorry. So question question, though. So what time do you feel like would be better? Because to me, it seems like you would wait until there was one specific candidate and then say, OK, you you need to prove that you're willing to fight for us. What do you feel like is the better time to have this kind of discussion?
1: When when Trump ain't, ain't a part of the equation, uh, I, I think at this point, you just got to get Trump out. I mean, I'm, I am totally on that bandwagon that Trump needs to go. Um, I, I saw a post. I, I think it was your wife, as a matter of fact, I think she put up there. I, I wouldn't care if Trump was a Democrat. He'd have to go. And I totally feel that. You know, Trump was a Democrat, this dude mm-hmm. has got to go. Um, you know, uh the, the divisiveness that he's brought to this country, he's just gotta get out of here. So I, I think I'd rather save that for for twenty twenty four when 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 Biden is trying to trying to go for his second term as opposed to, you know, um, you know, so so for me. It, it's it's just the wrong timing. And I think it, it sets up a stage to th- this talk only helps Trump, I think, in, in the meantime of all this. Um, should Biden come up with the plan? Um, you know, I, I you know, I'm kind of thinking along the, the same lines as Jason. You know, I, it, but my thing is, we got to move this thing forward together. It, we can't we can't it can't be separated. It's not going to happen. We're not we're not going to see us make these giant strides with without, you know, without the whole country coming together and doing this. So, you know, on one hand, you know, it's great to see uh, something on paper as far as as far as what the African-Americans, what black people are going to be accomplishing over the next four years. But, you know, I'm just not again, I see it. I believe it when I see it. That's one. And then, two, you know, I I just don't think it's going to happen without seeing the whole country come out of this mess. And and just just like I said about Trump's plan, I don't think Biden's plan is going to be that much better. Trump comes out with a plan, says 500 billion. Well, I mean, uh, Biden's just going to come out and say, okay, I offer you 500 billion and one dollar. You know, it's like we're playing the prices right at this point. So his plan is going to be a dollar higher. It's like, okay, well, there we go. Biden now, you know, so I just don't think they're going to come up with something much more substantial than what Trump gave. And like I said, I I think when the economy comes back after this virus, we're going to see what exactly the, the numbers that Trump's talking about in the growth. But that's just going to be natural growth anyway. So he's just going to try to take credit for it. And I think that's the same thing Biden would do at the end of the day. So now nah, I'm not too interested in a Biden plan or, or thinking any more of that. Uh, but again, Biden has my vote. Thank you very much.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that's actually
2: a good point. Cause I had a question about that at one point in time and nobody, I, I, well, at least I haven't voiced it. So the whole unemployment thing, when unemployment is going down, if everybody's just going back to the jobs that they were laid off from, and then they and you know they they take unemployment because they're out of work, once those jobs bring them right back to the positions that they had, are you really affecting unemployment? Or is that just people going back to work?
0: It's basically people going back to work.
2: So I, yeah, I, I, I was that I, I was just something that was running around in my brain.
1: But it'll still be you're you're still going to see that people out. are going to try to take you're still going to see politicians still try to take credit for the for the economy coming back as if they did something, you know. It, yeah, yeah, it's I, just I, it's I kept just gonna wondering be about that. Like hey. I was, I thought it was just me. Like
2: like they kept they keep talking about the numbers are going down. Like he's finding them jobs personally. It's like no, they're right. just going back to work. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, of course unemployment is going to go down when everybody's able to get paid again. Sure.
0: (laughs) So, I I guess the the issue that I have with the framing of the dialogue that I'm seeing from a lot of people is that the the number one goal is getting rid of Trump. Everything else, put it to the side. It's secondary. It doesn't really matter right now. Getting rid of Trump is the only thing that matters, right? And um, I think Try to put it great in the chat. Every sing, every four years, there's this huge reason why we need to vote for such and such a person. All right. When Obama was running, it was because we were had just had the Iraq war and we needed somebody who was going to come in there and stop droning other countries, bring our military back and end the wars. And Obama presented himself as that candidate uh before uh before bush it was uh, uh clinton and that clinton had disgraced the office and we needed someone who was going to bring back respectability to the office like there's always this huge reason why we need to vote for such and such a person and the country is at stake if we don't and i see black people especially pushing this narrative about trump When I feel like it's very hard to look at the policies that he's passed and try to make the case that he has somehow been more damaging to the black community than Biden has been. I don't feel like that really washes Mm -hmm. out. I'm voting for Biden because I understand these next four years could be extremely impactful. And I don't really want to see a Trump presidency where he feels like, okay, I could just do whatever I want because I don't have to worry about ever having to be elected again. So I'm voting for Biden, but I am not at all on the bandwagon of the only thing that matters is getting rid of Trump. Like, no, black people have been told since before I was born, put your issues to the side. Push the needs of the community to the side. Instead, just vote this way because the country needs you to vote this way. Sooner or later, it has to be about the issues that we're experiencing. And I don't agree that this whole mindset of, well, we just do it all together and you just treat everybody the same actually works. And we know it doesn't work because we see the candidates who do this. Jason, you specifically mentioned that that's the platform that Obama got elected on. Yes, Exactly. And then he did nothing for black people like we live in a country where it's not easy at all to do something on a widespread basis for the black community. So the only type of person who's going to be able to get it done is someone who has a passion for supporting the black community and helping it. Someone who's going to specifically say, no, we're going to do this. This is what we're going to do. I am the person to get it done. It's not the person who's going to stand in front of the camera and be like, ho-hum, we're all in this together. We're all the same. I'm going to treat all of you the same because the fact of the matter is while we're all human, everything we're going through is not the same. It's not. What the black community is going through is not the same as what the white community is experiencing, as what the Asian community is experiencing, as what the Indian community is experiencing. And when you pretend that you could just treat everybody the same and that everybody will rise and do well in that type of circumstance, It's not based in reality. And me personally, I believe that's why Bernie Sanders didn't win. As much as I love Bernie Sanders, as much as he was my candidate, I understand completely. He never really put forth that platform that said, here is how I will ensure that black people are able to do well in this world that I'm trying to create. They keep talking about the Green New Deal and say, hey, it's the new New Deal based upon what FDR did. But they never talk about that what FDR did did not help black people. It helped white people and white farmers. Black people were left out of the New Deal. And if you're going to try to convince black people that they should be able to, that they should jump on to this new version of it, then you need to specifically explain separately why is the black community going to benefit from this? What is going to prevent white supremacy and racism from keeping black people out of the gains that this policy will put forth and i don't and i i feel like it is an issue when you have a candidate like biden who can't get in without us can't get in without us at all and he is not in any way shape form or fashion as to explain what are you going to do to ensure that we are rewarded for our vote and our loyalty towards you. To me, it's a repeat of what we've been doing against us. We've been born, and it never works. It's not working here in Chicago either. Our our mayor's almost always Democrat. It's always a Democrat who's in charge of our police force. It's always a Democrat who's in charge of our communities. And it has not benefited us at all. We we have to be willing to demand more. I, I don't see how how else we rise out of this, and I just don't agree that the threat of Trump is greater than the need for us to demand gains for our communities.
1: Well, there's 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 demanding needs for our communities, and then there's 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 Trump taking things from our communities, such as lives, and and I think and I think you you definitely got to weigh. All those options, but uh, here, here's my thing. If we think this is the, uh, if we think that Trump's next four years, if he gets elected, is the end of Trump, it ain't. You know, Trump is making his play as we speak for a third term, and a lot of people don't think that it can happen, but it most certainly can. He's already he's already got federal judges that he's putting in place. He's already about to get the Supreme Court locked up. Uh, he's looking for a third term. <laughs> and that's that's what he's going to try to do. This ain't the end of Trump if we if, if we don't get him out now. But but the the thing is, is that we're we're too divided on all these issues. You know, now now California, I just read, it signed into law that that they're going to be, you know, uh, starting in 2021, having a meeting on how they can approach reparations and things like that. Right. You know, it, but they they have no credibility. Talking about California, yeah, they have no. Did I say Colorado? I think I said Colorado, didn't I? But anyway, <laughs> it, I meant California. <laughs> but they the, mm-hmm. the problem is they have no credibility. You know, I think I saw someone say we the problem with these discussions about black people is that we got three white men up there discussing discussing black America, and it immediately turns into a discussion about law and order. You know, so so we got people up there. By the time these candidates are up there for the vote, it's damn near too late, right? We got to start pushing our, our, we got to start pushing our candidate up there. And for that, we need to be a lot less divided than what we are. You know, we got too many people who think reparations is this. We got too many people who think this is the direction we need to go. We have, you know, as we've alluded to in previous podcasts, we have no real national leaders anymore, of any type of movement that we can speak of that has any type of legitimacy. So, so what does black America need? What do they want? Who knows? We don't know, you know, so, so, Mm -hmm. you know, at, at the end of the day, we need to push our agenda. You know, we need, we do need to push our agenda, but when you say that Biden can't win without us, You know, it's we also have to look at the other side. Can he win with us? Will he still have enough votes? You know, we we think we don't have as much support when it comes to reparations, when it comes to doing things for us as we might think we do from other communities. So so if they do push that agenda, where does does the white vote start to leave him? Does the Hispanic vote start to leave him? Does the Asian vote start to leave him? You know, because like I said, especially when it comes to those middle class, middle class folk, they think that everything, every program comes out of their pocket. That's what they're always looking at. And they've been convinced that 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 three extra cents that they might pay in taxes is too much. It's too much, you know, because they don't look at what's actually happening. They don't look at where their money actually goes. They just see their money going, you know, and, and the more little money they start to make, they become, you know, a couple hundred thousand a year. They start looking at, oh, wait a minute, you know, I, I make a couple hundred thousand, but I'm, but I'm paying almost a hundred thousand a year in taxes. All they see is that they don't really, you know, they don't see, you know, they don't blame the fat cats up above them who are paying $750 a year versus what they're paying. They don't see that and they don't challenge that. They challenge us on the lower rung and say, we're taking advantage of. You know, and so we're just not together enough to do it. That's the problem. And so if we if we get together and come up with the agenda, you know, that might help force our own candidate. And if that forces our own candidate, now that a third party candidate, if we come together on it, make could win. But But honestly, I think if Biden tries to go all the way and say, this is what we're going to do for black America, and it's something actually legitimate, I think he's going to encounter some roadblocks that he wasn't expecting. Or maybe he does expect it, which is why he ain't doing it. But, you know, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm torn.
0: So then, so then speaking of that, then, um, so Trump has presented this plan, you know, for the black community. Do either of you feel like this will actually get more black people to start siding with Trump and voting for Trump? Or do you feel like, basically, this whole thing was irrelevant, Biden's not gonna do anything, it's not gonna have any gains for Trump, and it's basically just a little hiccup during the election?
2: I've always felt like it's just talking points, quite honestly, it's just, I think it's something that you just have to say and what not to get elected. whether Joe decides to come out and say something more specifically in later debates or something like that. Sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure at this point, if he does say something about black folks, I mean, maybe they'll start feeling a little better about the fact that everybody seems to be just saying vote to get Trump out. I guess maybe they could at least they can say something other than, you know, that, uh, I, I, whether it brings Trump more black voters, mm-hmm. I think there's a possibility of anything, especially when it's coming with this dude. Uh, hell, when, when he dropped down for that platinum plan, might actually be appealing to people. You never know. I, I hell, how many times have we heard that motherfucker say? It? It's like hell, you you done tried to. All they've been doing is dumping on Democrats and shit for the last I don't know how long. And shoot, even you, Samori, just mentioned the fact was like you know all this stuff is happening in these democratically run cities, so it's almost like well, the stuff that they're saying ain't necessarily a lie, especially when they dumping on when they when they when they start dumping on all these Democrats. You, I mean, it's just they don't
0: have a better plan either.
2: You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's in the grand scheme, could it give him some more votes? Yeah, I think it's possible, but. I don't think I don't think significantly enough that it's going to give him the presidency any more than it all he basically already has at this point. Uh, I think if Joe Biden, I say if Joe Biden does come out and at least specifically like speak on black people and issues and not bring up law and order in, in regards to it, I think it could help or at least make people feel a little bit better about giving him the vote. Otherwise, I it kind of just sounds like if he does win, it's just about getting Trump out at the end of the day. So hmm. well, the talking <laughs> points at this point almost seem meaningless.
0: Hudson, what about you? How do you feel?
1: He'll he'll pick up a few here and there. I don't, like I say, I think it was basically to try to lock in Georgia. Like I say, I, I think he was in trouble there. So he, he tried to lock it in. But, you know, the, the fact that I didn't hear anything about it in, the, in this first debate leads me to believe that he, it's not something he's really going to push because, honestly, I think it, it, it tits off his base. So, you know, I, I don't think, I don't really think it's something that, that we're going to hear too much more about uh, coming down the road. So I don't think it's really going to have that great of effect. Um, the only thing he's going to continue trying to push is that he's done more for black people than any other president since Lincoln. I mean, they, they did he, he did get a chance to mention that in the debate, you know, even had the moderator ask the question around it. So, you know, that's the only thing he's going to continue to try to do. Um, but anyone who really um, looks at that number of 500 billion and, and understands how much money passes through our economy is going to know that, that that's just nothing. Um, but he'll pick up a few. He'll pick up a few, I'm sure. Nothing significant.
0: Significant. Okay. Well, we'll see. I think we can all agree that November 3rd cannot come soon enough. Um, to either be disappointed hey.
3: or he's
2: <laughs> <it's>
0: strictly
1: <laughs> <happy>. <laughs> yes, You know what? Exactly. When, uh, exactly. Wendell Tucker, just he, just, he just made a great point. He said there is a comprehensive uh-huh. plan I that Biden has made. Right? But And we've said this a million times. The Republicans are great at marketing. <laughs> and the Democrats aren't. <laughs> As Wendell said, because the Democrats aren't loud enough about it. And, and again, there we go. Marketing. Republicans are great at it. Democrats aren't. <laughs> See, but the
0: problem is, but but uh, on, on, on to some degree, I, I agree. But the problem is that Trump announced his plan from the podium. And if you want to know what the president, like all these dudes lie. But to at least gauge to some degree what these people want to do, you look at what they say. You don't look at their website. They put a bunch of things on their website. It's pages and pages and pages of what they're going to do. They don't plan to do half of it. All right. So if you want to know what they actually intend to do, (laughs) you look at what they say from the podium. Biden ain't never talked about a plan for black America from the podium. He put it on the third page of his website. So when Wendell says niggas don't know about his plan because niggas don't read. I'm like, uh, <laughs> like if you got to go to the third page of the candidate's website to see their plan about something, he don't plan to do that shit. All right. That's just, that's just flat out. That's just flat out. If You're he saying- planned to do it. He'd stand at the podium and be like, this is what I'm gonna do for y'all.
1: If y'all you said, You said Biden <laughs> didn't put it on the front page, he put it in the obituary section of the newspaper. Basically. Put it- <laughs> basically,
0: put that in the back. Like, look, I'm put it here for them, for them few who read, give them a little something to, to, to think on. <laughs> no, nah, I'm not with it. I'm not with it. Hey, what other uh Side note, you know, we we talked about this before, so I didn't, you know, it doesn't need to be a whole big conversation, but I just thought it was it was interesting and unfortunate to note. So we talked, I don't remember if it was last week or the week before, about Trump doing that executive order regarding uh, anti-racism training and basically banning it. Right. Mm -hmm. And at the time I dismissed it because I'm like, all right, he's just doing this within the government. Right. So he's telling all if they've been trying to whitewash everything regarding the executive branch since he got it to office. So to me, it was par for the course. Well, I talked with, uh, one of the people at HR today at the company, I work at a fortune 500 company. All right. I never mentioned it cause I don't want them to have to be associated with all the crazy things I say on the show, but I work for a fortune 500 company. All right. And I was talking with this HR lady and they're like, they're in the process of reviewing their the diversity training they've been doing because even though they're not part of the government they accept government contracts and any company that accepts a government contract has now been affected by this executive order so i think actually that executive order has way more reach and way more impact than what is really being reported in the media the media is making it seem like uh Well, you know, everybody in the White House, you can't have diversity training in the White House. Like, no, anybody basically who does business with the government in any sort of way is quite possibly going to have to adhere to this executive order that you cannot consider diversity at all within your corporation, even if it's a privately owned company. That is crazy. Mm -hmm. That is crazy. And I didn't realize that that was the extent and the reach of that executive order. Maybe, like Wendell said, I didn't read. I didn't read it properly, so I didn't get it. But well, that, you, I, uh, you you always I didn't have to realize, understand. So <laughs> want to note that,
1: and, and almost with anything that the government does, when they when they specify or try to make it seem like they're specifying, it's always going to involve those government contracts. It's always going to involve that government money. So any anyone. Anytime they say it, if they don't put it in there, you, you got to just assume if your company takes any government money for whatever reason, whether it be a contract grant or whatever, it's going to be affected. You know, so, I mean, you always got to assume that. Um, uh, I mean, it was something I didn't really think about initially, but I mean, hearing it, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely something that you that, that everyone's got to look out for at that point. But man I you know that kind of put
2: that platinum like, perspective
1: well you know uh, see see, and that's the thing you'll probably throw something in that plan that says we're going to include diversity training <laughs> gonna like, you're going to start a fire and then put it out huh so as a exactly. matter of fact look I at me it, y'all it, helping it, y'all out it includes helping companies become more diverse. I believe that was a part of the plan, which is the funny part.
0: <laughs> sure is. Mm-hmm. Sure is. That's how you do when you're a politician. You create the problem and then you fix it and you step out as a hero. Those are the easiest yes. problems to fix,
1: <laughs> the ones that you create.
0: Move it all to the next topic. Trump has officially announced Amy Coney Barrett, um, who he nominated to the Seventh Circuit Court in 2017. He's nominated her to be his Supreme Court pick. Now, we talked last week about, uh, you know, the issues with the Supreme Court and abortion rights and whether or not we should be concerned as black fathers. But actually, I want to take a different look at it this time. She is known for being associated with the People of Praise Catholic Religious Group. This is a group that believes that men are divinely ordained to lead their households and they strongly oppose abortion. Former members claim that the group's leaders teach their wives and daughters to be submissive towards the will of men and that wives are expected to provide sex on demand and birth control is absolutely forbidden. This has caused the nominee to come under fire during questioning, with oh, some yeah. believing her religious views will interfere with her ability to be a judge. So, fellas, and I think I'll start with you, Hudson. Do you feel divinely ordained to lead your household? <laughs> well, yes, yes,
1: I do. Um, I am. Through God's will, I am. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, a- anybody, anybody who knows my wife knows that I'm probably going to get smacked in the back of the head for even saying something, even joking around about something like that. But, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's funny how how someone who who has who has gotten their living off of uh, some of the some of the things, some of the cases that uh, RBG was a part of and helped to make happen, you know, how how she was able to, to be who she is because of the strides that have been made in women's rights. And it's funny how she's going to come in and try to help reverse all of that, right? Rip um, it all up. You know, it's like, hey, thanks for getting me here. Now that I'm here, oh, I need to stop y'all. <laughs> you know, because that's how I keep my crown. <laughs> um,
0: you know, excuse I, I just, me while I close this door on my way yeah, in. <laughs> let me close it behind
1: me. You know, I I just don't I just don't know what we're doing here. You know, I just don't get it. It's like how can we in this day and age? You know, and, and I think it, it just you know again I said last week that these kind of things people are like it's it's. Bad to a certain extent right so you think of where men's stances are and and i think we'll be surprised at how many men are gonna be like well very quietly of course oh, you know she's got a point you know um <laughs> but no absolutely absolutely you know, i mean my stance is, is is that you know i've seen the power in women I've seen the absolute power in women, and, and I think there's no suppressing it. And I think this is going to backfire. I really do. Um, I, I, you know, I, obviously she's going to have have powers and and sway the sway the conservative vote, sway it to conservative for a long time to come. Um, but you know, I, I I just don't think there's any holding it down. No, I do not feel. I have the supreme right to, you know, I, I I think I think we have to look at households differently in America and in the world, as a matter of fact. Now, it, it's not it's not what it used to be. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. I don't want subservient women in, in, in my household. I don't want that. So so I don't buy into it. I you know, I hope that this nomination gets blocked. Because I don't want to see someone trying to undo everything that that RBG tried to do and what she did do while she was in that in that spot. So no, I, no, I don't feel that not at all.
2: Jason, how do you feel? Shit, I'm I'm sure I'm trying to find these women that wasn't that they want to be the fucking. Shit, I I could never find one when I was dating. I mean, shit, who, who are these women that just want to serve? Where they at? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> shit. I missed miss that whole train, Jack, I shoot. Like, as much hmm. as I talk about how I married my mother and how, like, subconsciously, all day long, I wanted, all all my friends at one point in time were with women who did whatever they wanted to do. They told them, did what they told them to do. They went on did it, brought them money, brought the food. Clean, cook, had the kids, took care of all that best. All my friends that did it was maybe not you, Samori, but <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even gonna throw I'm not even gonna throw saying about that like that because she she been who she been forever. But just about everybody I've known have had some girl where it's just like, man, my girl, let me do what I won't do. I ain't never had no woman like that ever, and I've always and those wanted never one. Settled.
0: Those dudes never settle down with those chicks either. Never. That never ends in never. marriage. Never. <laughs>
3: never. Swear to God.
2: It's like their whole
3: young adult
2: life. Like, I just got me. Can do what I want. She let me do whatever I do. I do what I want to do. Where, where the hell were all up? I was always mad when they met them. Like, where'd you find this one? I was at the same club you was at. I ain't see her. I always come work. It's like, shit, no. I would have I would have loved to have had one of their women.
1: Look at half the doggone women, Yo. half the doggone women make more than the man anyway now. You know, so you supposed to tell this woman <laughs> who making more money than you to, to sit down and shut up when when actually what's gonna happen, is she gonna tell you to sit your ass down and shut up. I mean, how's that gonna
2: work? <laughs> Oh, I swear to God, I had always been in that situation. <laughs> and she was just like, All right, I, I love her, and everything. She made too much money. She told me <laughs> to clean up all that. Like, all them times I ended up out, man, I tell you, like, I, I believe my wife is one of the best people in the world. And I've been on the clock many a time. The first time I lost my gig when we got together, and she was. I think she might have been six months pregnant, maybe seven months pregnant. I thought it was over with right there. As soon as I came to tell her, I lost my job. She just <laughs> she said, I love you. We're going to get through this, and we're going to be okay. I was surprised as hell. <laughs> especially, <laughs> especially when things were going. was arguing all the time through her pregnancy. That first one was rough. We broke up once. So I when I lost my gig in the middle of that one, boy, I, man, they talk about that clock. I know mine was down to zero hour. I had to find me a gig. I <laughs> found me a gig, got to work, and lost my gig again. Baby, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. My eyes got a little wider the second time. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I see. I need
0: to hurry up and find me some work. Yeah, I was in a similar situation. I lost my job right after I proposed to Samantha. Oh my God. I think it was like I think it was like two weeks afterwards. <laughs> and God, I man. didn't get a job, another job until uh, we were already married. And you can't so get you can't path. get
2: through no stuff like that with no woman and whatnot just sitting there waiting on you and all that other stuff, man. You gotta have somebody strong in your corner nowadays. I I I wouldn't mm-hmm. want anybody other than my wife because anytime I was down, she she held me up higher than anybody ever could. And I appreciate love all the more for that. And mm-hmm. I, I would I wouldn't have gotten that from a woman that wasn't just sitting back and waiting for me to tell her what to do. Hell, I, right. I'm I tell you this right now, I ain't made a, a lot of good decisions. I shit, I didn't fucked up. I'm an adult and <laughs> shit, I didn't made some bad decisions. And thank God for my wife for being, you know, somewhat steady. At least I kind of had a pillow to fall on and shit. <laughs> I, mean, hell, I, I say I, I I don't see I don't see the reason that somebody. Well, I'm not gonna say I ain't gonna see the reason because there's a lot of dudes out here in this world and whatnot who are well to do. They they've had their they've had their lanes already created for them. Uh, they they've been involved in good finance and everything else, and all they did is lead their lives into more and shit. I, if I had dough like that, if I was just rolling. And I had my future secured for me, hell, I'd probably want me a little I'd probably want me a little trophy piece on my arm too. I don't know. <laughs> I ain't lived that life, so
0: I don't know. Personally I don't think it. how much I don't think how much money you make though really determines what kind of partner you want to have. And at the end of the day, I don't like being around dumb people. I, I'm just not interested in someone who just, male or female, is just sitting around all day waiting for someone. To tell them what to do, no self development, no, you know, very little. I will say
2: this though, in regards mm-hmm. to that 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 sub role that most women talk like they talk about, like from the fifties and the forties and how women were treated and stuff. I never considered any of them dumb in the grand scheme. Most mm-hmm. of them ran their households without well, even.
0: Oh, right no, I'm girl. talking about the trophy wife. The oh, trophy, the, well. That, that mean, trophy wife, you know, the 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 bimbo that you just have on your arm because she looks good. Well, well you know? even they <laughs> have a little
2: smart. I mean, shit, you, you, got, to, you got to at least keep your shit. You got to be a trophy <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> you know, you, you can go pick up some dumb chick all the time, but, hell, it, it, any dude who's going to a party or something and taking this chick with her ain't going to be with her the whole time. So he ain't trying to hear, the, man, what's wrong with your wife, man? She fall down some stairs or something? Is she retarded? No. They, they, they at least got enough sense and whatnot to be able to hold a conversation in the room. Like them suburban wives and stuff. And like I see them a lot out here in LaGrange. It's like they used to be trophies and they just started getting older. And Maybe the husband didn't have enough money and whatnot for that plastic surgery that they like to have out there in L.A. I think it's a little bit frowned <laughs> upon in the Midwest. I think they just kind of go for natural stuff though I've seen a few, but like, even, even they have their, they have their roles, but mm -hmm. it's just, I think it depends on the person that they with or how their role
0: is determined for, for me personally. Like I feel like I have a responsibility for first and foremost, clearly I do not believe I'm (laughs) ordained by God. Oh, here we go.
1: Wait a minute. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry, did you see what Wendell just put? He submits some damn resumes. (laughs) (laughs) He said in the chat, talk about some damn, I'll submit. You better submit some damn resumes. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. For
0: for me personally, uh, definitely, uh, first and foremost, I do not feel like I've been ordained by God to be the the head and the all-powerful ruler of my household. And I'd like to apologize to our listeners, because usually I feel like one of the advantages of having three people on this show is that you get all sorts of different perspectives. So I'm more liberal. Uh, Hudson's is more moderate. Jace is a little bit more conservative. Hey, no. We all come from... <laughs> Different backgrounds. We all have different ways of thinking and looking at things. So usually, no matter what the subject is, we can provide you at least two different perspectives on how to look at a particular issue. But this is one of those rare cases where we're kind of all in agreement that no, I'm not ordained by God, and I know there's a lot of guys who are, you know, hardcore men, men's rights, and men should always be uh, the head of the household, and women should stay at home and cook and take care of the kids, and. I wish we could provide that perspective for you, but none of us just have it. And frankly, having a daughter, I feel like I have a even greater responsibility not to be that guy because I have a responsibility to raise my daughter where she is going to be okay, whether she has a man in her life or not. And how can I do that if I'm raising her to essentially obey the commands of of any dude that comes along? That doesn't that doesn't make sense to me. It, It doesn't hold any sort of water. And it's it's wild to me to see these communities that that's a a fundamental part of it that, hey, if you're female, do whatever these other guys tell you to. I don't understand how you can feel like you're being responsible as a father and conduct yourself in that way at the exact same time. And again, like I was telling Jason, this is nothing to do with being a housewife. I told some Samantha works. I've told her multiple times before, you don't have to work. I'd be perfectly fine being the the main breadwinner if you want and you can stay at home with the kids and I'm perfectly fine with the opposite I'm absolutely okay with the opposite you can stay working and I'll be home every day and I'll take the kids to school and you know make sure dinner's set I'd be a hundred percent secure in my manhood in that type of role she she's just determined to have two people working at all times so it's not about whether or not you're a housewife it's about this the, the the system that says women must obey men at all times and it's been ordained that way by God. I don't find that to be healthy in any way, shape, form or form. What part of the
2: Bible was that in?
0: I'm trying to figure that out. Like you started off
2: with Adam and Eve. We've been mad at women ever since Adam and Eve, so Well the because Bible Eve tells, is doing whatever the hell she wants to. Do.
0: The Bible tells uh, wives to submit to their husbands as long as they're godly.
2: Hmm. Yeah, New Testament. Basically,
0: why is it supposed to submit to the husbands? Husbands are supposed to submit to God. That's New Testament, right? No, well, no, it's Old Testament. Is that Old Testament? Hmm. Mm-hmm. I gotta read.
2: Yeah. That one. because it, cause I mean, it, that... it didn't start off that way. But it, like a lot, a lot of things I see kind of derive from so, the so, you. Eve. You trying to get
1: some ammo? You trying to get some? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you about to ask for a specific verse. Like I, I need to put uh... <laughs> it on my refrigerator. Y'all need to read this every day. <laughs> I
2: always just thought it was interesting, like the correlation with that. And just the subject of like we talking about, is it's, it's interesting to me on that. Cause it's like everything, like all that stuff that derive, all the stuff that derives from the Bible, that everybody that's kind of like takes very seriously and takes the heart. Like this is what it means. And that's what it is. But you can't, right. you can't recognize any of the other stuff. I mean, somewhere along the lines of slavery and whatnot was in the Bible. So I mean, it's, it's interesting on how you pick and choose what comes out of that or how you
0: institute life in a country. That's what I was talking about last week. Not only do people pick and choose, but usually they're picking and choosing the things specifically that apply to women. Yeah. So, hey, you can't have an abortion. Uh, don't uh, don't cheat on your mans. Take care of your kids. Do everything your husband tells you to. You know, they pick and choose the things that specifically tell women that they should be subservient. Hold but, but the things that either apply to everybody or definitely apply specifically to men. Those verses don't get brought up again. You don't get your hand cut off for for
2: cheating on your wife, you Dale. That is not true. I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting. That that can't be true. What he, he write? The Bible always also says, "You going to hell for eating
0: a red lot?" Really, really, dude. Isn't there, something there are a lot where, of rules about what you can and cannot
1: eat. Yeah, there is. Isn't, isn't there a rule about eating fish on certain days or something like that? I don't know. Uh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. So
0: my next question is, uh, Do so I've already given my, my opinion, but do you think it's wrong for men to raise their daughters to believe a man's role is to lead? And part of the reason I'm, I'm asking this is, I think we've all probably seen those discussions where a guy says, you know, this woman is trying to run over me or she's trying to act like a man, you know, she's being way too aggressive and she doesn't, you know, she doesn't allow me to be a man. So do you, do you feel like you have a responsibility as a father to help ensure that your daughter is able to have healthy, successful relationships with other men that you have a responsibility to tell her that the man is supposed to lead?
1: Uh, I mean, there's a, fi- there's a fine line. So, you know, it, 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 it's tough to say because do I have a... Re- absolutely. And, and my responsibility to my daughters is, is to make sure they, they grow up and, yes, have healthy relationships. Um, and the way I do define healthy relationships is that her and, and whoever she decides to date and or marry... Uh, they support each other, you know, and, and point blank, they support each other and that's it. You know, um, as far as, um, you know, uh, uh, men who, who claim that they're not allowed to be men or, or things like that. I mean, it, there's always different perspectives. I mean, as a man, you got to ask yourself, what, what, how is somebody not allowing me to be a man? And and if you're really having that much conflict with with someone, maybe it, it's it maybe you don't need to be with that certain someone. Maybe you need to go and find someone else because maybe you all are just not clicking, and maybe it has nothing to do with you being a man or not a man. You two just aren't right for each other. So well, I think there needs to be a a a. Uh, it's tough. It, it's tough to to. Have those lines and, and understand what it is as far as being a man and what it is about someone who who might be trying to trying to um, make you subservient, I guess might be the, the for lack of a better word. you know I don't think anyone in the relationship will be at least this is my take. I realize there's many different types of relationships out there. Some people want to be subservient. I mean, but I think everyone should have that right to be that if that's what they want to be. Just find the right person that's for you. You know, what I speak on is, is your right and, and and your right to a choice. And if you don't want to be subservient, you shouldn't have to be. But again, you need to find that right person that's for you. So, you know, um, I think what I hate about about this particular Supreme court pick this possible new justice that that might be there is that you know it, it's the it's the possibility of trying to take away the choice you know so so that's my problem I'm going to raise my daughters to be to to hopefully be strong black women and I'm gonna and I'm gonna raise them you know just as somebody said they're not going to be impressed When your dusty son tries to take them to take them to Atlanta for the weekend, (laughs) you know. (laughs) But I'm I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to raise them to be partners with whoever it is that they want to decide to be with for the for the rest of their lives, or even if it's just a temporary thing. I'm gonna raise them to try to be partners with that person, not to be. There's no subservient anything. Uh, You all make decisions together, and that, that isn't to say. The decision isn't that, hey, I decide we're deciding that you're going to be in charge of the finances. You know, so sometimes the decision between both of them is that you're in charge of this and I'm in charge of that. That's not subservient to me. That's you all are making the decision together that, hey, you know, uh, like, like we put a rule in place in our household. If something costs a certain amount of money, then we're going to talk about it together. Right. You know, but overall, if, if it costs less then hey, do your thing. <laughs> you know, I mean, so so you just gotta have a discussion. You gotta be open to conversation. So that's why I'm gonna raise my daughters. Um, but again, the decision's theirs. They might decide they wanna be trophy wives. You know, I'm not going to specifically like that, but it's their decision if that's what they want to be. I, I'm going to support them and and I guess help them find someone who can make them a trophy. I don't know. I you know, I guess they don't want their daddy looking for a <laughs> looking for a mate for him. So I, you know, I'll stay out of that. But
0: <laughs> I wouldn't want that. <laughs> <you know? laughs> what about you, Jason? How do you feel? Uh,
2: and in, in the longest time of what i can remember just being or dating and just being with women in general like i've i've dealt with a lot of different personalities and just different upbringings and way people are and there are people who i think benefit you in regards to they either make you better or something about them that connects to you, gives them drive or or you receive something that that basically just makes you happier overall. And it just depends on who you are and what it is that you need. And hopefully one that what you're receiving, you get you give back the same way. So one of the things I just try to I try to teach my daughter is just, you know, there are a lot of people that you're gonna be around in your lifetime. You're going to meet a lot of people. There are going to be a lot of different personalities. There are going to be a lot of different ways people have come up. It's going to be a lot of different things and you have to recognize what's for you at the end of the day. So it's, it's like you, you can meet somebody and you can fall in love, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the person for you. So in a, in, in, in the, I think you have to figure out who you are before you're able or before you're capable of offering yourself or being able to give someone something that uplifts them. And at the same rate, if you, if you're in tune with yourself, you're able to unlock for yourself as well as for that other person. And both of you will be recipients of that. So I concentrate on just Trying to remind my daughter to recognize who she is. Uh, I, it took me a long time to figure out who I was, and I should—I I still draw blanks from time to time. But when I came to a general idea, things, you know, started to kind of come together for me. Now I don't know what—I I won't pretend to know what it's like for women, but I think most human beings deal with life because either they know who they are or they don't. And the more stronger people that I see who kind of discover who they are in their youth are usually those more focused people, those more people who are capable of making decisions, who are more creative and who offer more. So it's one of the things I think about like while I'm raising her, I, I really want her to be conscious of who she is and what's for her. Now, just to, just to be conscious of it isn't enough because you're going to have to go through life and you're gonna to have to experience those things that aren't for you just the same right as you're gonna to have to experience the things that are, just so you know the difference. But I just I just I I just try to teach her to at least just be strong for herself if above anything else, because you know, if if you don't have an idea of your own identity, I don't I don't really believe that you can be happy with someone else or or, or pretend to be happy with someone else so, so my 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 main you, focus is just on her
0: just discovering herself so would you be concerned if your uh, daughter came to you and told you that she was joining the type of, of group that judge bear came, come comes from mm.
2: uh, in regards to just how conservative the woman is basically
0: the and in regards to it's basically a religion uh, a religious the sect, religious you know, thing. so, yeah. Yeah, I mean. Or would you be like, no, it's fine. You know, she'll figure things out and it'll be okay. She's made her, she's made a decision.
2: Well, to become, a, well, one of the things I try to teach you, number one, is to be, you know, be mindful of your own thoughts. Don't everybody else's opinions and when I don't have to be yours, you, you can create your own opinions. You can, you can see what other people think and you can come to your own decision on what things are. So, I mean, if she was to listen or join or be around people like that, I mean, what other way is she going to, uh, how would she disseminate between what's right and what's wrong? So joining it, I don't necessarily would agree with that. Like if she was just listening to the conversation and basically kind of like hearing what the opposites are and then coming to her own decisions. Then, you know, I mean, I support her so long as she has an idea of what it is that she wants and not what somebody else is telling her that she should be. Mhm. So that I, I, that's my biggest deal. Like it
1: I mean, my my concern is Yeah, I was just going to say it, it'd be kind of along the same lines would be my concern because you know the the problem is when you join extreme groups like that is that it, it starts not to matter what your opinion is. And so if you if you even try to give your opinion, you're almost kind of shunned for it. You know, you're almost kind of. And, and, you know, to me, a group like that gets very close to the cult like thing. and And when that happens, you know. You never know what it takes to get out of a group like that. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's almost like gang initiations mm-hmm. or something. You don't mm-hmm. know what it takes to get in or out, something like that. So, you know, I mean. To be
2: honest, there were not groups like that really don't. They're not, they not going after strong-minded people. You know what I mean? Like, they, they, they literally prey on weak-minded people to, to bolster their numbers. Most folks, if you can convince somebody else. Well, it's not to say nothing bad about uh, what's the religious group. Maybe I shouldn't mention them, but uh, the guys that usually come around. It's always the white guys in the, in the black ties and the white shirt. Mormons. There you go. Like if you if you convince somebody to be a Mormon, then you know. <laughs> I mean, you think all Mormons are weak minded? I think <laughs> I think the I think any religion that was discovered two hundred years ago. <laughs>
3: it's,
2: you know, it's okay. That, that's like all three of us like forming the church of the SJH man cave. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We found, hey, we, found hey, some, hey. we found some we found some talismans <laughs> and whatnot behind Samori's house. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We it was this crack in his patio in the back and we saw this golden light.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, we and can it was do in the that. What about podcast.
2: I mean <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm we just can saying. Do that. <laughs> But how, I, how much, I want you to how much know. do you give to it? It's just like Gene Roddenberry to and everybody else and what that out here is, it's
0: death. You you talking all this trash about the Mormons? But the Mormons have already done what you were talking about last week, as far as black people being able to come together, take over an area, and then be able to take, uh, protect it. They run Utah. Oh yeah, like, all day. The Mormons <laughs> own all of Utah. So you talking trash oh, about them? Oh, like- and they and they out here, Jack. They,
2: they be walking around the <laughs> door. I didn't have I didn't have them come to my house, knock on the door. I, I, oh, I'm all right, fellas. Sir. No, I'm not. I'm not looking to hear a word or nothing, But good luck. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, they 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 come out here on their missions, and it's not to say they don't do good things. Like they 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 heavy in the communities and 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 outreach and and and, and supporting people and stuff. It's cool, but it but if you sit down and you listen to it, you uh,
3: it's,
2: huh. All right, you you try to edge out the door as quick as you can. It's like, look, I just don't want no trouble. So it's just, it's just interesting. It very
3: much is.
1: When Dale said what I was about to say, which is they, they got Utah cause nobody wants it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so that was an easy fight for them to get Utah. Um, but, but, you know, I think, wow. I think someone I knew they would always ask when the Mormons would come to the door is that, do you still believe black people? were were scorched by lightning and that's why they're black because of the sin because of their sin <laughs> you know something like that that's <laughs> supposed to be in their book <laughs> and, and I I was like man yeah they, they races I don't know what as far as that goes but <laughs> but uh you know you're right I mean they did take over the state you know as as little as anybody wants it I mean I, I guess we would take any state that we could get at this point you know if we could get one and get it by ourselves right even front like yeah i'll take a steak. um
2: it's just hard to sell black folks that hard
1: jack it really is <laughs> but again it, it's tough to go go against their go against their you know what they say or, or try to have kind of a free mind of your own it, it it just doesn't work in situations like that so jason you're right if if, if they ponder they pander to weak-minded people but sometimes strong-minded people get in there, <laughs> and I think we we've seen situations in the past yeah. where strong-minded people somehow find their way there, and and they don't find their way out. Yeah, you know, uh, you that, know, in a that'd be the ones <laughs> that run it.
2: They'll they'll come in with a strong mind. They'll use that platform to get what they want. That'd be usually the Some ones that what that is getting put up for the Supreme Court and stuff like that. So you're right about that too.
0: So I remember. Um, the first time I got baptized, right, I was feeling really down, really bad, and I needed to feel like I could, you know, move forward and have this new beginning. And I was sitting in the church. I actually didn't plan to get baptized the day it happened, but the preacher was up there. He was he was talking that good stuff. It really moved me, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. This is exactly what I need, and it felt great. Got baptized. Was feeling awesome. Ready to be a part of this church. Ready to be. Strong Christian. Let's do it. Right. They take me to the back and they put about it was it, this was a major black church. I'm not going to mention that because I don't want to down anybody. But they took it was like 20 of us that ended up getting baptized that day. And they took us all in the back and they said, start speaking in tongues. And hmm. at the time, I knew nothing about that. So I, so I was looking around. And what does that mean? And these, you know, everybody around me. started doing num 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 and all, all that kind of stuff, right? So I just, I gotta follow along with everybody else as best I could. You know, I was looking at they had a couple of teen guys in front, and I was looking at the, you know, the boot, the sounds that he was making. I was repeating it as best I could and trying to just follow along with this. because, like, i meant it. Like, yo, know, I've been baptized. This is it. This is where the cool kids are. Let's let's make it happen, right? And that this this speaking in tongues, thing it goes on for quite some time. It it's does. not like 30 seconds. All right. So it it's does. like you're doing this, doing this, doing this the whole time. I'm like, what am I doing? But OK, you know, let, let me be in it. Right. It ends. And I go up to the lead deacon and I'm like, hey, man, you know, I I, I really enjoy being baptized. Really appreciated this experience. I feel great. Um, I'd like to understand a little bit better what we just did. And I have a lot of questions about the Bible. You know, I read the Bible, but I didn't read it with a pastor. I've never been a part of a church. So I'm really looking forward to learning more. And he said to me, the Bible and the things that we have you doing are not something you're supposed to think about. You just, you just do what you're told. Right. And it was like, everything just shut down. (laughs) Everything was just like, oh, (laughs) It's that kind of place, right? If that world It's <laughs> some like, more stepped in, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And I'm like, oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you letting me know this and illuminating this for me, right? Got up out of there as quickly as I could and never thought twice about it. It was years. You know, I'm a deacon now. It was years before I was willing to be a part of a church again. That experience is what I think of every time I hear about someone joining these little small uh, religious sects with their own you know, separate rules or, and whatnot. These people finding ways to, def- to basically tell folks, hey, just do what we tell you to. Everything will be okay. You'll get to <laughs> God in the end. Just do what you're told and <laughs> it'll all work out in the end. And it terrifies me. That I might end up raising a daughter that gets roped into one of those things. Cause when you look at it, there's no warning sign that this person could be taken in by a cult. It just happens. It just happens, you know, and all of a sudden they're just they're just in that life. And for whatever reason, they can't get out. You know, they can't move past it. It's terrifying for me to watch. What are you gonna say?
1: Man, man, if y'all, if I can ever find the videotape again of me getting baptized, it, it was funny as hell. Look. <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> they, look, we didn't have to do the tongues thing, but but uh, I, come, I come out there, I'm sitting in the water, this big old bathtub, you know, wet as hell, and, I, and I'm waiting on him. And I guess because he told me his shoulder was hurt afterwards, <laughs> you know, because I guess you're supposed to take more of an active role in the baptism than I thought you were. So when he gave me the cue to lay down, I laid my ass down. And I guess I was supposed to kind of do a sit-up and help him pick me back up, but I just kind of laid there and let him do all the work. Come on, get me out of here now. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no.
3: <nah.
0: laughs> uh, son, I ain't that strong, all right? They didn't, they didn't have me in this role for my life. They the didn't get me a big the water, I can't breathe. I felt them struggling.
1: Yo, <laughs> oh man, yeah, I wow. I gotta find that tape. Oh, wow. I gotta find it and show it to y'all. It, it was funny. Sam. Oh my wow, God. wow. Sorry, just had to put wow. that up. Leave it to Hudson
2: to take a baptismal to a whole nother level. Come on, get so, me out of
0: here now. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, oh. my last question on this subject oh, is. Um, the criticism that Judge Barrett has experienced during the hearings, um, you know, because some of these senators have basically called her out and said, you're too deep in the dogma. You're too deep in religious. We don't trust the your decision making. And there's been a lot of pushback in the media, basically saying that there's a, 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 a very negative anti-Catholic element to what is going on right now mm-hmm. and it should not be fair to give a, a person this type of criticism based upon the religion that they come from and it's not it's essentially not right that she's experiencing this so considering what we know about um, you know the sex she comes from and what we would expect from a judge sitting on the bench is it fair that she's getting the type of that, that her religion and her partner is getting the type of attention that he is thus far, or do you agree that it is kind of unprofessional and she shouldn't have to answer questions about being a Catholic when she's trying to become a judge? Hudson, what do you think?
1: I mean, she hasn't proven that she can separate the two. So, you know, it's, it's her decisions seem to always fall in line with, with her religious beliefs. So, I mean, there's, there's her, her thoughts. Her, you, you can't separate who you are as a person and and what your religion is and what you believe is part of who you are as a person. So, it again, it's another fine line of, you know, religion's not supposed to come as a part of it, um, but it's hard to take it out. You know, if you believe it, your decisions are going to be based off of it. You know, no, no one's, no one's completely unbiased. That's first. So, so what you have to determine is, is how biased is this person actually? And and you, and you have to look at everything she's written, everything she's decided on, everything she's talked about. If it falls in line, and, and I'm not talking about what she talks about in her actual church or, or in the actual service. But what she talks about out in public, about decisions that should be made, about, about decisions that she would make and everything like that, all of that should be, if, if it falls in line with her religion, which to me it seems like it does, then I, I can't think you can make a case that she can separate the two. Because uh, according to you're, to, you're supposed to separate them. So I just don't believe, I think they're very fair questions. And and I, I think, you know, uh, I just don't like the outcome that I see that's probably going to happen, but I guess that will be another question later on in this discussion. But but no, I, I, I think it's very fair questions. Can you separate uh, your religions from 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 the law? Can you separate it? I think it's fair.
2: Jason I was just gonna say something say like'cause i i I don't know anything like this like her record and whatnot when it comes to being judged, but yeah I, we 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 sit up and we talk about like we talk about all these incidents and everything like that happened with black people in courts, and everybody always has this feeling, I feel this is wrong, I feel this is, but unfortunately, when you walk into a courtroom, it's about the law at the end of the day that like you could feel like you wasn't supposed to get this ticket but the law says you were supposed to get this ticket. Now, unless you can prove this with the law saying that you weren't supposed to get this ticket. So if she's in there basing all her decisions off of her faith, then I don't think there's room for that. I don't, that doesn't work according to what they've established law is. And if you're going to be a Supreme court justice, I think you have to have a higher, like a higher regard or higher stance when it comes to that you literally have to be the law and your faith and everything. And it can't be included in that because that's, that's putting your feelings and your opinion in regards to how you feel the law should be. And I, I don't think that works. And if it was fair to ask Obama about his beliefs,
1: you know, then it's fair to ask her.
0: So here's my thing. Um, you know, I'm not sure these questions are fair in every situation, right? Because I, I don't want a situation that just because your particular particular religion or something you're involved in isn't mainstream that you have to deal with a bunch of jerk asking you 10 trillion questions about it and trying to basically pick apart, you know, what it is because you haven't joined the big mega 20,000 uh, member church. That everybody could feel comfortable with. However, I think in this particular case, she screwed herself because she became, before she became a judge, when she was a clerk, she specifically involved herself in an article that was about Catholic judges making decisions on abortion. And she said she feels like, to some degree, I'm sorry, not abortion, the death penalty. And she said that she feels like Catholic judges. Uh, have to recuse themselves from cases that involve the death penalty because they can't be involved with, you know, potentially ordering for someone to die. Now she's put, made the statement since then that, well, Hey, I didn't have a huge involvement in um, pushing uh, that article. And, you know, I've had more time in the law now, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like, being involved in that, especially as a law clerk. So you're already on the track to become a judge. It's not like you were 12 or something like that. You were grown woman. You've already decided that becoming a judge is your career track and you're directly coming out with statements saying that there are some cases you feel like you need to recuse yourself from because of your religious beliefs. So therefore you've opened the door to say, hey, my personal religious beliefs are going to have an impact on how I try cases. And it should, from a moral standpoint, have an impact on how all of you who are Catholic judges try cases. I think by doing that, she's pretty much opened the door to where you'd be a fool not to ask these questions because clearly it's on her mind. And, clear, and clearly, based upon the statement she made before she got to this point, I, I think whether or not she sees a real division between church and state is questionable at best. So you have to ask these questions.
2: I find it interesting. It wonder that, that she made the statement calling them Catholic judges as if they were some different kind of sect of judge or something like that. Like, I, like that's weird. Like, I thought all judges were supposed to be the same, whether they were Catholic or fucking Christian, Muslim, whatever the case may be. And just to put well, that label on it automatically makes you ask those questions.
0: Well, uh, well, the, the thing is, too, I guess... I don't really understand, but I guess Catholicism is considered like it, it, its own thing when it comes to abortion. Like I guess the Catholics are considered well. the real, true anti-abortion <laughs> religious group. I think they're they so the only ones a...
2: who say every, every, every. Basically, if you were hard, if you hardcore Catholic, every time you screw, it's to have a baby. Right. Plain and simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. why they they don't believe in yeah. abortion. That's why you shoot. That woman has how many kids? And then she even hey, she adopted a few of them, because I think it's like two babies, two black babies up there on that stage, and the rest of them was white. Really? So yeah, it was like an older black girl and a younger little black boy, and I guess them was her kids that I assume she adopted. But the rest, she had plenty of other kids. She, she had seven kids up on that stage with them.
0: That's crazy.
2: So they don't they That's don't crazy. believe in... we don't fuck with, for no purpose. If you Catholic and
0: you true Catholic. Every time you have sex, it's to procreate. Right. So all my questions have really been uh, regarding the religious argument of this, but I don't think we have the, we covered the topic last week. So I did want to ask before we probably put this topic to bed. Do you all have any real concerns about her uh, becoming a judge or what you might do with this, with uh, what she might do from the Supreme court? And Hudson, I'll start with you.
1: Well, I, I, think, I, I think here's my biggest concern. My overall biggest concern is that Trump's going to find his way to a third term. That is my overall biggest concern, is that Trump is going to try to take the presidency as his retirement portfolio and, <laughs> and stay the president for as long as he can he possibly can. That is, that is my biggest concern. And, and I, I've said before on, on social media, that if he gets this second term he will he will be going for a third term and he'll find loopholes and it, it you know that's something that'll definitely go up to the highest court that it can go and uh, you know that that's my biggest overall concern is that we're going to start disregarding or or manipulating the constitution more than we ever have before to to try to make this happen um so my concern there is the and then you know, of course, it's the constant, you know, everything's going to be a conservative victory at this point. You know, we, we have slowly lost any moderates and any strong uh, liberals in there. We're down to a couple at this point, you know, that there's absolutely no moderate left. There's no moderate left. So so it, it's it's going to be conservative, conservative, conservative. And and a lot of people are going to lose on that.
2: Jason, do you have any concerns? Uh, for what I know, like one of the other biggest topics other than that is the fact that people's health care is probably going to come to an end. Uh, I know Obamacare will probably get knocked out of there real fast and with Trump and them not really having a plan I, in the midst of a pandemic.
3: Uh,
2: that 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 scares me for the simple fact that, you know, a lot of these folks dependent on that right now and it's i I don't see whether I don't see the numbers going anywhere but higher, even if they're reported depending on like how how it's being recorded if Obamacare is a part of the recording of those numbers but like people's health care like it's something that we've been fighting for the longest time in this country, and people get sick things happen and she, personally i i i I'm paying for my own health insurance, but at the same time i I see people out here who don't have it and kind of depend on that Obamacare. And it has saved people's lives. And if they if they if he get if he if they put them in their chair, it's gone. So it's going a lot of be it's gonna be a lot of people out here who are gonna suffer for it.
0: Yeah. Um I have to agree with that. And honestly, we talked about this a little last week, but I think it bears mentioning again. I just don't feel like the Democrats are really fighting this the way they should. I don't even like how they're fighting this. Like they're bringing up her, uh, religion and and making it all about abortion. But at a basic level, I feel like there's a real case to say she's not, she hasn't proved she's competent enough to be on the court. Trump nominated her to be a, a circuit judge in 2017. I mean, she's been on on the uh, circuit for three years, really a little bit less than that. Like, you don't get to be a circuit judge for three years and then all of a sudden you're qualified enough to be a Supreme Court justice. Like, I it just but they're not even they're not even bringing that up. They're not even using that. I don't I don't understand what is the thought pattern behind that. Like, I took some time looking at the other people that are on the Supreme. Court, Supreme court and how long they s- sat on the s- being a circuit judge to prepare themselves for the role of bringing a Supreme court justice. It's like 10 years, 12 years, eight years, all of a sudden she just gets put up there for three. It doesn't make any sense. The only person who had to spend, you know, any less than seven was Clarence Thomas. And that's because he had already spent 14 years in government being like the assistant attorney general and all that kind of crap. So when they came in, when, when he's he spent like one, maybe two years as a circuit judge, and then they was like, all right, come on, you've already been here enough. Plus, he was that black dude who was saying everything that white people wanted to hear say. So, of course, they was going to let him all through. But other than that, you got and I don't think anybody can question his judicial competency. You know, no matter how you feel about how he lands on issues, his judicial competency is at this point pretty much unquestionable. That is not the case with her at all. And Democrats are not making that case. They're not at all saying like, yo, how can you possibly be comfortable with Trump? Just basically plucking this nobody up. Who's barely been on the circuit court and throwing her onto a lifetime position. That's that's insane. That's insane. But again, they don't fight. They don't fight. They give up before the battle it even starts being waged. And frankly, I don't see any way she's not getting on this, uh, this court. The only way it can happen is if Republicans just decide it would be too devastating for them to be tied to her. And so they decide not to vote for her. And I don't see that happening because, frankly, I think it's the exact opposite. A whole lot of Republicans are looking at this like if we get her on. We I get the vote from the religious right for the rest of my political career, because even if abortion doesn't actually fall, I could say that I put in a vote for the judge who was supposed to help make it fall. If it doesn't work out. Hey, not my fault. We we put the conservatives on there. It should have happened. But the religious right is going to be on my side for the rest of my political career. So I just if, if Democrats are not going to put any pressure on it, I don't see the downside for Republicans that are going to make them decide not to vote. And it's it's maddening. It's maddening to watch these people who supposedly are supposed to be fighting for me and what I believe in. But it never seems like they want to fight.
1: What about what about Judge so. Judy and, and Judge Millian? What, what about Judge Joe Brown? You know. Where are where wow. we going to go ahead and get some of them on there, you know? You know, where, what's happening here, you know?
0: They, said, Judy? <laughs> wow, bro. I
1: forgot all wow. about Judge Judy. <laughs> wow. He was the
2: first one, Jack. He got all the experience. That's right. Where we going to get them
1: up on there, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Last uh, subject for the day. As it always is with every podcast Here we, we do, football, and we're gonna we're not gonna start it out with the Bears though Ooh. because I think there's a little bit of a bigger story than what's going on with the Bears. Even though He's a ready. lot of what I said for the past two weeks has been proven correct, we're gonna get to that. All right, let's start with Titans and Steelers have to delay their football game because three, count them, three players caught COVID along with, I believe, five non-players called COVID. Originally, they were just going to delay team activities until Saturday to assess the situation. And then the very next day, they're like, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and cancel the game. We're going to go ahead and cancel the game because there's a problem. And this little half a week is not going to be enough for us to be able to contain the problem. But all these other games are still going to continue. So, fellas, uh, are we going to get through a whole NFL season? Or is, is this the beginning of the end? I'll start with you, Jason. Uh,
2: it's probably going to end up being extended a little bit if we keep getting these squads. I'm curious so how it happened. Like They they seem to be very confident on their uh, – what do they call it? What is their tracking code? Uh, I use it at my job, too. Uh, it's, it's that new tracking that they use, and what it basically to to see who you've been in contact with, the last person you were in contact mm-hmm. with, contact tracing. Contact so tracing—that's uh, what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were they were very excited about their contact tracing. So I'm, it, it's it's interesting that would would you say it was three players and five non-players, mm-hmm. and that, that kind of goes back to my whole baseball thing and what I like. Yeah, the towel boy got it
3: too. <laughs> <So, laughs> exactly. when we
2: where we get through a whole season I mean I guess it kind of depends on what their procedures are going to be in regards to this the fact that they postponed the game and baseball was dealing with it too with just about every team and so far they've made it into the postseason after playing I don't know how many games I haven't been paying attention I think it's like maybe 50 maybe 60 and they're mm-hmm. getting ready to start the postseason and they had a whole squad catch COVID so I mean, they seem to be – and that same squad is in the postseason. Now that I sit here and think about it, the Marlins, I believe, are playing the Cubs starting in the Mm postseason. So, I mean, I think this is something that's going to keep happening. And I give them more faith in it than I thought just in how it was kind of responded to by the MLB and most of these other organizations like the NHL. They just got finished dealing – they just had their Stanley Cup championship. And basketball seems to be kind of going forward. They seem to have some decent procedures in regards on containing and quarantining and making sure nobody else is getting it. Even with the Bears, like last week, uh, one of the Falcons ended up with uh, getting placed on the whole Corona reserve roster, whatever it is. And they seem to be taking they they're taking it seriously. I appreciate that much. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I've seen a few teams who are seeming to be trying to start testing out having crowds and stuff come to the games. I think that's going to be a big test, and I'm interested to see how they handle it, how they deal with it, and I'm I'm curious to see how the Titans are going to deal with this one if 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 it's successful because they've had a few different NFL teams who have put players on that COVID list. And you know, I shoot, I've heard some have come off and started playing again. So mm-hmm. I think I think they I think they have a reasonable solutions and quarantine and procedures involved. So there might be a little delay to the season. They might have to add on a week or two, as opposed to it right. just being 17 weeks just to get some of these games that were postponed out the way. But mm-hmm. they seem to be handling it pretty well so far. Nice. Hudson, how do you feel about it?
1: Well, I mean, they they had some time, you know, when when this whole thing first started uh getting scary for people, it you know, we were we were into the basketball season and and things like that. Um you know, uh the baseball uh camps were about to start up soon. So, you know, football had a chance to stay back and kind of watch what was going on and kind of prepare for it. Um and I think a clear sign that they were going to do everything that they possibly could to push through it was when they started letting teams have extra players for the COVID thing. So, you know, they're basically going to let these teams treat COVID as as an injury and, you know, basically and, and just, you know, say you got to stay away. I, I think they're going to do everything possible to try to push through. Um, and I, I think they'll make it. I think they will, Um, you know, yeah, I think a large part of it is still going to be how this country is going to vote and how they're going to react and, and what, you know, what this president's going to continue to do. Um, uh, So, you know, I I think they'll end up pushing through it. Um, I don't, I don't think this will stop the train. I think there's, there's uh, too much uh, uh, money that they don't want to lose. That's one. But I, I think uh, along the lines of what Jason was saying, I do think they're taking some standard precautions and some good precautions, but I think they had a chance to sit back and watch and say, Hey, we're going to try to do this, you know, the, the right way and try to, and try to keep our players safe. Cause you know, that's where the money is, right? The players. So yeah, I think they'll push through it. Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty much in agreement. Uh, I think this train is going to keep rolling no matter what. I think even if two entire teams call COVID, there's too much money involved for them to actually shut this thing down. So they're going to keep rolling and and make it happen. So ain't gonna set the bitches to the side. Y'all stay over there until you get your shit together. Y'all come on right (laughs) (laughs) until y'all ready to make us some money again. (laughs) So the Bears finally did what they should have done at the very beginning of the season and started Nick Foles. And he did exactly what I said he was going to do. I told you all from the very beginning that man is a champion. He's been to where we're trying to go. And when you're looking at who you need in those leadership positions, you want someone who knows how to get there. You don't want someone who's struggling to get there with you. We want someone who can lead you there because he already knows the grit that it takes to make it that far and Foles is that guy. Trubisky is not. And he proved that in game three. Uh, Trubisky made the mistake that we all knew he was going to do during, doing another one of those dumb little interceptions that he's always good for. And then they pulled him, which means they should have just pulled him from the very beginning of the season, leaving him in there to only give him the illusion that he would could be a starter while pulling him when you knew it was preordained that was going to happen was, to me, kind of cruel towards him and just ensured that his confidence is probably shot. And even if something happens to Foles and Trubisky has to go back in, he's probably going to underperform. We should have just went with Foles from the first, in the first place. We should have went with Foles. We should have given Amos a contract extension. If we had done those two things, we would be in a significant – yes, absolutely – We we would be at a significantly stronger position right now to take it all the way for this season as it is, even though we're three and oh, I still say we're absolutely on shaky ground. And that's all I have to say. Gentlemen, Jason, how do you feel today, sir?
2: (laughs) All right, Samori, I'll tell you what you've gotten your wish. Nick Foles is your quarterback now. Now. Now, I'm going to say it like this. I'm not battling against it because his success is my success. And as I've always said, I like to be pleasantly surprised. Coming off the bench on Sunday, he did exactly what he normally does. He wins games when he comes off the bench. So it was, I, it, it was to be expected, or at least I'd like to say that it, it was a pleasant surprise. Now, if he's going to take this role as a starter, I hope he's successful with it because he is a Bears quarterback and that's my squad. You see it up there. But at the same time, I still, I still submit to his past and where he's been and what he's gotten to to this point. Yes, he won a Super Bowl, but he did it only having to play five games. Semantics. As a starter. He, he won playing five games. Two of them were regular season games. The rest of them were playoff games. So he, he, he got to a Super Bowl off the back of his starting quarterback who fell apart and was destroyed at one point in time. That that Paul Carson wins. So, hey, I, I can only hope and whatnot that you're correct. I think he has a better command of the offense. I saw, I, I saw that maybe two minutes into him getting into the game because when he first got on the field, it looked like a shit show. It really did. It took a minute for him to get the offense together. And I like the fact that receivers were saying things like, Well, he told me to run to the L with my route and stuff like that. I do like that leadership and I like that command of an offense and whether where you're telling people where to be and what's open, because obviously you're seeing things and whatnot that maybe nobody else is seeing. And that They're and right that comes from an offense leadership. and that comes from looking at film and that that that's that's from having experience as a backup when you can sit and you can look at film a little bit more detail to see how a defense is run. So I can only hope that he decides to apply that to the starting role. Uh, As I was pleasantly surprised with the way he played. Cause when he threw that touchdown, to Anthony Miller, I thought he was sacked. I thought it was over with. I'm like, Oh, that boy done fumbled the ball. He got that ball off, put it right on the money. Took care of the business. I, I give I give him all the credit in the world for coming off the bench. Commanding the offense, and once once he got the rust off of him, and I hope he continues to
0: succeed. Hudson,
1: of course, he's a Bears quarterback. Of course, I want him to succeed, but I ain't just like Jason said. Well, I mean, he, he hasn't he hasn't proven that he's going to consistently do it. That's all we've ever been saying. You know, we don't we don't know now. You know, the test is going to be when teams have those game tapes along with him working with that number one offense and not number one as in number one in the league, I just mean the starting offense, when they have those game tapes, when they see the the plays that's going to come out of it, you know, you know, cause that whole time they were not playing over the top because they, they did not suspect Trubisky could throw over the top, you know, and they kept that same energy when, when Foles came in. So it was an easy thing for Foles to see. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, so Foles obviously has some better accuracy going in there and able to set in the pocket. But we already knew Definitely. that part. We already knew that yeah. part. You know, so the, the question has always been, can he lead us to the promised land? You know, and, and no, he has not proven that. Now, he's proven that he can win some games. He has not proven that he can take okay. a team. He, he hasn't proven that he can take a team to the promised land. No, he hasn't. And that's what we've always been saying. But do I hope he will? Absolutely. You think I don't want the Bears to win? I hope this was the right move. But the, but the reason, and I'll say it again, was that it was always to try for Nagy to try to save his own job. That was always the reason. <laughs> if he, and if honestly, if Foles had showed enough in, the, in those in that mini little camp or whatever they did, that to show that he was ready to take the starting job at week one, he would have put him in at week one. You know, so so that, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough, and that's scary for me. <laughs> that, it, that even in the mini camp, it still wasn't enough for Nagy to say, "Oh yeah, he's leaps and bounds above Trubisky," which is which is what I was hoping.
0: <laughs> I guarantee you. I guarantee you Foles showed enough that he was leaps and bounds better than Trubisky. They just loved Trubisky for no damn reason and decided, hey, we we drafted him, so we just want this guy to work, even though it's clear that he ain't going to work and he's not the guy. That's what happened. He should have started with Foles. Foles showed enough in training camp. I guarantee you Foles showed enough in training camp for them to go ahead and move on. Nagy
2: ain't like Trubisky for the last two seasons, dude. And they talked about it all through the Atlanta game, or how he on the sideline looked like he wanted to throw the clipboard at him. It, it was just a culmination at that point. They they, they, they didn't start Miss Trubisky because they liked him. They started him and whatnot because he was they, they number one draft pick that they traded up to get, that they invested in, but not as much as they should have.
0: And Who's the that problem is on the Texas who said the Bears didn't even wouldn't even talk to him. You talking about uh Watson or Mahomes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deshaun Watson. All right. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson's on record. They didn't even, they didn't even talk to me. They didn't even bring me in for a meeting. Nothing. They loved Trubisky from even before the moment he first stepped on the NFL field. They were like, This this white boy, he's our guy. He's our guy. We don't want Patrick Mahomes. We don't want Deshaun Watson. We don't want any of that. Trubisky. Trubisky is gonna lead us all the way. All right. So, and when people are that deeply invested into a decision, it is difficult for them to let go. But the difference, but but the thing is, they weren't willing to let go with that.
2: With that opinion, that's to say, Ryan Pace made the call to Matt Nagy to make the change. Matt Nagy came into a situation knowing that that was going to have to be his quarterback, plain and simple. Mm -hmm. And it was stated from day one when he said that it was it was only so much of that playbook. That he could open up to Mr. Biscuit. When Matt Nagy got here, he realized Mitch sucked. <laughs> okay. And it's just certain shit that he can't do. His accurate Matt Nagy came from the Kansas City Chiefs after they, they had just they had just picked up Tyreek Hill or Hill and everybody else, all these fast receivers. So all they were doing was throwing the ball downfield, like they do right now. Then he came to the Bears. He didn't have the personnel to run the offense that he had there because that's what he wanted to do. He got a couple of receivers. He got Allen Robinson. They went out and they got Anthony Miller. They went out and got a bunch of receivers that went out who were speed demons, who could run down the field and who can catch the ball. But he already had a quarterback in place who had no accuracy at all. Mm-hmm. And the problem with his accuracy is that most of his fundamentals are just as jacked up. Because that's, that's a direct correlation. with if your, if your fundamentals are not right, then you're not going to be accurate during the round of the field. Even when he was throwing mid, mid, mid-range passes, he was th- if he's throwing slants, he's throwing it behind receivers. So it's either he's scared when he's out there on the field or the fact that he don't know where the hell his feet is. Because it's easy to lead a receiver because every other quarterback in the league can do it. But for some reason, he was having issues. And for and for the last two years, instead of investing in getting him better, they just allowed him to be who he was gonna be. And Matt Nagy clearly didn't put any effort into helping him. I think he was more interested in trying to get his hands on another quarterback either way, it went. So if you're talking about Ryan Pace and ownership and whatnot loving Mr. Trubisky, that's because I think they decided to pick that white face to be the face of their franchise. I don't think the Bears are ready to make a black man the face of their franchise yet. I don't think we're there yet. Absolutely not. I just don't think we're there yet.
1: And guess what? Anybody who has ever tried to convince their boss that their boss made a bad move (laughs) has always had to fight an uphill battle, (laughs) right? And like I said, at Mm -hmm. the beginning of this whole quarterback controversy, Nagy is trying to save his job. So if Nagy from day one, week one, Put Foles in, and Foles, guess what? If he goes eight and eight, <laughs> you know, just like Trubisky did, where do you think his ass would be on the unemployment line? Like I said before, Nagy did what he had to do, and he had to prove that Trubisky, won, yet again, in order to convince him that, hey, he just doesn't have the stuff to play this game. And he's gone through these camps. He's gone through, and I gave him another chance in his in this in this year. I gave him another chance, and you see, we're barely skidding by on teams that we should have blew out. So, and that and that's what I kept saying. He had a three game leash. I ended up pulling him in two and a half. You know, so so I mean, it, it's it's I I I've tried to convince my boss before he made some bad decisions, <laughs> and it and it don't go well. They think you're doing something wrong if you. They think you're doing something wrong if you couldn't coach this guy to be a better quarterback. Mm-hmm. So he he had to give them the rope.
0: So th- this Sunday um, we're facing the Colts. Uh, how do you all feel our chances are of being able to beat them?
2: Like I said before, as long as long as Foles is able to. Shake off some of the rust that I saw them first couple minutes when he came into the game. If they can come in and consistently move the ball offensively and actually score when they get into the red zone, because they was having much difficulty for some reason the first three quarters for the Bears are the are, they just showed their worst side, and that's offense and defense. And I I don't understand what's happening, and that's and that's the last three games. And, and you you think there would be some progression? Phillips. At this point, we're going into the fourth game of the season. So, technically, this is like week one. Like, the first three games was basically preseason. So, you know, mm-hmm. at, at some point in time, you have to see some kind of progression. When it comes to the defensive line, they, they, I see no pressure. I see nothing. Uh, last week, I mean, they they had what was about four sacks during, uh, against Atlanta. So, I mean, there was, there was a little bit of encouragement with that, but – I think it could have been more. And they were hella susceptible and whatnot to them play actions. So that that was the first play of the damn game. The play action pass and shit right through it for damn 63 damn yards on their ass. So I think the defense has to be a little bit more aggressive. I think uh, the offense just has to be consistent. And I think it's a chance to do it against Indianapolis because – I don't. Oh, I haven't watched any of the Indianapolis games. I'm not sure what their record is right now, but you know they got they got uh, Philip Rivers at quarterback right now. So,
0: you know, Keith, I mean, Keith said Rivers is a hundred years old. The D should have a great game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it will see. Unfortunately,
2: the Chicago Bears got tendencies to make, make quarterbacks all world. I say it all the time. Like Philip been having a hard time. He'll come play the Bears, and he'll have 400 yards passing and 17 touchdowns in one game. Exactly. <laughs> so you got exactly. to be
0: careful when it comes to the Bears.
1: Well, I mean, so how
0: do you feel about our chances?
1: Well, I mean the the teams the, the teams got the playbook. They 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 know they got to get the ball out quick, and they know they got to do that first thing to get the to get the Bears to get those rushers on their heels. They know they got to do that, and that's what they do. And the Bears have not seemed to counter that at all. Um, You know, Pagano seems to be on this mindset, uh, of let him go ahead and do that, and then we'll try to, you know, we'll just – maybe he's trying to wear them down over the course of the game. I don't know. Maybe he's trying to tire them out, you know, trying to do that Rocky thing. But let me just let you keep punching me and tire yourself out because my face is so hard. You know you're gonna hurt your hand on, you know, and that <laughs> <laughs> just seems like what it is all the time. So, so they get the ball out quick, and and you know it don't matter how old Rivers is if if they're not even gonna get close to him. It's like we either get sacks or we get no pressure, you know, <laughs> and and that's not gonna work. We got to have consistent pressure. I have not seen the offense or the defense have a complete game yet and we were complaining of this in 2018 when they had their 12 and 4 which could have easily been an 8 and 8 season. You know, I remember a lot of games where we were like, wow, they were blowing them out in the first half. Now in the second half they're letting them come from behind. But see then mm-hmm. we had a very competent uh defensive coordinator. Now we don't, so it's scary. It's scary because I mean, we've done what we've done so far against some some very low level low-level teams and and teams that are susceptible to letting letting folk come back on them and win um but but uh you know i i think it's still going to take a couple of games for us to jail so so i'm I'm not ready to say that we're going to win this just yet um you know i i i gotta see and i think i think a consistent quarterback is a big piece to this puzzle you know, if your quarterback is a lot more consistent, you're gonna, you should, in theory, have a lot more consistent. The rest of your team should be a lot more consistent. So I hope that that he is able, Foles is able to bring that. And uh, if he can, and maybe we'll have a, but I need to see a complete game, you know. Um, but I'm not going to rate Foles or the Bears on this next game. Because again, this will be their first time incomplete out there with Foles being having a full complete game. I, I need to see a couple more games before I can make a call. Definitely on their season, but as far as the Colts, yeah, I think their chances are sixty percent victory. I think it's sixty forty.
0: Hmm. Well, um, well, we'll definitely see. Like I said before, I have a lot of faith that I. I I've always felt like with the deal we've had in previous years, all we needed was a competent quarterback. We didn't need Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or someone who was just going to be slinging it down the field. We just needed somebody who can get the ball into a receiver's hands on you know, third and five and who was not going to turn the ball over. And we would win these games you know, 21 to 14 or whatever, and it'd be okay. <laughs> it'd be okay as long as we make it happen. And I do believe that Foles can fill that role and be that guy who's not going to take the ball over little by little marches down the field, you know, score a few points and then allow the D to do what they're supposed to do. Now, the question of course becomes is, is Chuck's defense going to measure up to the defenses that we've had in years past. And I think the jury is still out on that, but, yeah, we'll see you over time. This should be a, a very, very interesting NFL season, no matter what. <laughs> it will be a test. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and with that, I want to thank all of you for joining us here at SJH Man Cave. We appreciate you spending time with us today. Once again, if you are a Black business owner and would like to get featured as our Business of the Week please make sure to send an email to info at sjhmancave.com. Any of our listeners can get a hold of us there as well. Remember that you can hear this and other episodes on all your major podcast platforms. We are also on YouTube at sjhmancave. Once you're there, please hit the subscribe button, like, and leave a comment. You can also like, share, and follow us on Facebook at SJH Podcast Family. I would like to thank my two fellow podcasters, Jason and Hudson, For keeping it real. Until next time, this is your host, Samori, signing off.